0: friends, and welcome to episode three of How To Wrestling, the world's first audio wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, baby, how to enjoy wrestling. And this episode is going to be a huge one. We're tackling one of the all-time greats, often titled the greatest of all time. This episode is How To Steve Austin. Hello, Once again, I'm Resident... What's that all about? Please tell me what it's about, please, in a nice Irish voice. Person Kevin Mann. Join us, I'm always in this instructional guide on how to wrestling by Joe Graham. Hello, Joe. Hello. How's things? I'm sick. Oh, so you're going to have a. Uh...
1: I'm going to wheeze my way through this podcast.
0: It'd be, it'd be funny if this was kind of like, I don't know, a wrestler who was like. You know, m- m- made you have be very sad and l- wistful and...
1: Yeah, instead I'm going to pretend it's like a tribute to Steve Austin. He's got a kind of gruff voice. Yeah, he does have a little bit. So, that's my... At uh... start this
0: episode, it's like, hello, welcome to How Trusting. And it's like, oh, hell, I like Steve Austin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love Steve, so I can't do it.
2: <coughs> oh,
0: d- don't worry, you know what, I think I've got us covered for Steve <laughs> Austin impressions. I will say off the bat, we've often had messages... On back on the Attitude podcast, that people say, just do an episode where you just do Steve Austin voices, even though it sounds nothing like Steve Austin's voice. This may very well be this episode <laughs> of that podcast. <laughs> Who knows? Nice debut for uh, how to wrestling's proper format with how to John Cena. There. Yeah,
1: that worked out well.
0: Yeah, uh, people seem to have positive reactions. People seem to learn a lot. Actually, yeah, by John.
1: We had one guy tweeting in a picture of him wearing a John Cena hat. <laughs> Which I thought was nice.
0: (laughs) If we've put one more penny in John Cena's pocket, we know we've done our job. I will say I definitely what struck me and I I realised straight away is like, right, this podcast is definitely worthwhile if admittedly just for selfish reasons. Uh, Joe and I were watching a pay-per-view recent offering from WWE called Battleground. And when John came out, you said, like, this is great. Now I don't automatically like groan when John appears on screen. Yeah.
1: No, it's true. His matches now I I actually Kind of look forward to them. I appreciate them in a new light.
0: Yeah, I think John himself is like. I think it makes a little bit more sense why he's such a big part of the show. I guess.
1: Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, I certainly don't dread his his matches like I used to.
0: Or his entrance music like you used to. No. You know?
1: I mean, I've always kind of jokingly resented his uh, his entrance music. It's so catchy.
0: Yeah. Definitely. You know, I'm just dreaming about it right now. I think. Thanks to anyone though as well who. Managed to get subscribed on iTunes and leaving us ratings and reviews. We got into that top 10 once again uh, in the new and noteworthy section of the iTunes podcast store. Thanks very much. Yeah. So if you are listening and you're enjoying so far and it's been of any use, make sure you leave a rating or a review on iTunes. Five stars, preferably. You know,
1: but yeah, don't bother rating unless you're going to rate five stars. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you don't have something nice to review, don't review at all. Yeah. You know, as the old saying goes. Yeah. Regular thing before we should get, you know, stuck into our, our topic, Joe's obviously. Manning the how to wrestling Twitter account at how to wrestling. Yes. Having fun talking with people there, John?
1: I'm having I've met so many friends. Oh. Made friends.
0: Wrestling friends. Wrestle
1: friends. Wrestle friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> having a wrestle friend is the best feeling that there is. It is. I remember when I was in Galway and I only had one wrestle friend. And I had to, like, arrange to meet this wrestle friend. I'd be leaving the house with loads of wrestling DVDs, wearing a wrestling T-shirt under a zipped-up top. And my housemate at the time said it was, like, it was like I was secretly gay, and I was going to meet my also-secret gay friend to look at gay stuff. Did you a... plant
1: the wrestling DVDs in, like, bushes for young kids to find? <laughs> no, but I took like out the discs porno. and put them in a
0: nondescript white binder, that kind of thing, you know? A little bit of big news, obviously, um, not to claim that this podcast, after two episodes, has had a meteoric rise and catastrophic effect on the uh, career of of a certain wrestling superstar by the name of John Cena. But there was news in Camp Cena at the end of the last episode. If you didn't listen all the way to the end past uh, those beautiful credits and music we were talking about John Cena's Instagram and uh, John Cena had a little bit of uh, news about that this week.
1: So John Cena said I have been encouraged to evolve at Instagram (laughs) into something less (laughs) dot 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 or not. Abstract thoughts. Ah, let the one hundred and forty character comedy begin.
0: Oh, I love he's so wise, isn't he? Typing that in his fucking mansion, <laughs> bollocks. There.
1: I love that he knows how abstract he is.
0: Well, I think the way I think the way that that was positioned there, is as if someone said to him. John, that's fierce abstract. He's like, abstract?
1: I love that word.
0: I'm going to tweet that in a disparaging way. I'm not saying, right, that how-to wrestling... Because we're, we're, we it now, we're a power couple Okay I mean It's already it's, it's established You're trying to
1: be modest here Whereas I'm just going to say Yes We're responsible for John Cena changing his Instagram <laughs> If he <laughs> does
0: We broke you John Cena
1: And it was our plan all along We broke
0: your American spirit And your non sequitur Instagram Beneath the heel Of our Western European boots <laughs> <laughs> Soon John Cena will be posting Pictures of meals he made <laughs> And his girlfriend On their day off At the beach for Walk
1: and pictures of him training CrossFit training with Seth Rollins,
0: and what will be left in his wake? A vast sea of emptiness as screen caps from the big Lebowski and trailer park boys are left abandoned, clogging up your hard drive. <laughs> but something you said last week was the last episode was. You're going to try and learn something new about wrestling every week?
1: Yeah, I thought I'd give myself that difficult challenge. There's so much to
0: learn. So much to learn. What did you learn this week, Joe?
1: This week I learned that there are two different promotions that had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles teams in Mexico. And then they had a match and then a third Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles group came in to fight them. And there's a really cool picture of it as well, and they're all flipping each other over, dressed as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
0: Now, the old saying goes, What you know, one teenage mutant ninja turtle group, shame on me, two teenage mutant ninja turtle groups, shame on you. Three teenage mutant ninja turtle groups, shame on the audience, I guess. I'm not
1: <laughs> Why shame? I think it's cool.
0: <laughs> but like surely, I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be some sort of Copyright. I mean, Mexico's not that big. Do they no, set up a, a rota of who does the Teenage Mutant
1: Did they pay tumble? for the rights to <laughs> use that? I'm looking at the picture now. They seem off-brand.
0: You know what? I'll, I'll be honest. Wrestling has played it pretty fast and loose as it's come to copyrighted beloved characters over the years. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, and Beetlejuice have all found their ways into wrestling rings, not necessarily with the copyright holder's permission. That could be wow. an episode in of itself, I think.
1: Right. Copyright infringement.
0: Try and, try and find about Beetlejuice and wrestling as a, as okay. a little project for yourself. All right, yeah. maybe
1: next week in what I learned.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so this week's title, How To Steve Austin. Whereabouts did you first hear about Steve? Because Steve is someone who, those of you who are listening or not never watched much wrestling before, he's a name that will often come up as being said as the greatest of all time. And in WWE, where there's so many big names obviously they don't want to say that too much because someone's feelings might get hurt but Steve Austin generally is considered to be like the biggest yeah. in wrestling or the greatest the or, greatest yeah. I think is the, is the very specific word they've used yeah. from. but how did you first come across Steve uh how was he made known to you
1: uh Steve is one of the few which I'd heard about before I started watching wrestling along with sort of the rock and he who shall not be named, Hulk Hogan. Oh,
0: yes. Say his name three times and you know, he'll appear in a, in a mirror and admit to being a racist.
1: Just say something really racist to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then underline it by also saying BTW.
1: I'm not a racist.
0: Lol, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> How to Hogan coming soon, folks. So, but, uh,
1: I'd heard of Steve Austin before. Um, had
0: you heard of Steve Austin, like, Nineties, two thousands, when you were a kid then, because then we mentioned there were some wrestling fans in the. Well, that's what I was going to say. No,
1: that's not how I know him actually. It's because of Celebrity Deathmatch, ah, which I didn't watch really as a child. But I went to some family friend's party and they had it on, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I love Celebrity Deathmatch. He was fighting Michael Jackson or something, (laughs) and it was. I was think I was ten or twelve, and it was so cool. And so I realised then I think that he was an actual wrestler. Yeah, right. Because he voices the actual character, yeah, yeah, he doesn't does. he? Yeah, does, yeah, yeah. I don't know if all of the celebrities
0: do. Uh, no, the celebrities usually don't, but WWF had something of a working relationship with Celebrity Deathmatch. And right. Vince himself, Mick Foley, who someone will do an episode on, The Undertaker, all people will do episodes okay. on. They all actually appeared in Celebrity Deathmatch. Uh, right, over the well, Steve Austin's the but one Steve I really remember. Steve was the main one. He was like right. pretty frequent guest star. Or...
1: Right. So I remember him. And then I forgot about him until I started watching wrestling. And I think he just kind of pops up. I think you showed me some clips of him doing silly things to Vince McMahon I, uh, in I do the early days of you getting Very here. early
0: days of kind of dipping the toe in the water and like...
1: Seeing what I liked.
0: Just to kind of, yeah, see what you liked. And generally speaking, a lot of the most entertaining segments, which we'll be going through later, involving Steve Austin and vehicles, he causes a lot of chaos. He's a chaotic character. Yeah. Beer drinking raising hell, in his own words, middle fingers, cussing, drinking more beer, beating up his boss. So that's kind of like, I showed you a lot of Austin clips early on, I think. Yeah, you
1: did, really early on.
0: To show you that wrestling isn't necessarily just guys in a ring. Sometimes wrestling is guys in vehicles on the way to a ring as well.
1: (laughs) But I don't think I'd seen a Steve Austin match until we started this episode, really, and we looked at them for that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? He can be so kind of prominent and yet his matches were kind of maybe not the first things you would people are gonna go oh steve austin watch this if you're a fan yeah i guess you know they'll probably say oh steve austin watch him drive this you know garbage truck
1: full of beer <laughs> full of
0: beer that he's going to drink afterwards yeah. <laughs> well let's have a look then it's of course the most important thing about how to wrestling is getting to hear what you find folks think and as such we ask people to tweet in using the hashtag how to steve austin so let's uh, take a look at the tweets so uh, running in here uh, we have Jay Ethan saying that Austin was sneaky hilarious proving that comedy can indeed enhance a wrestler so obviously Steve Austin is someone great to get into because a lot of times it's quite funny and as someone who's I don't know I kind of like to think I have a broadish sense of humour. But it's not the kind of humour, I think, with Steve Austin that you necessarily have to know loads about wrestling. It's no. usually quite easy to explain. Which is exactly why you
1: showed me him so early on.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, one here as well from Superman saying, to put it bluntly, the reason why I am a fan. And that's a huge thing. I think a lot of people will say that Steve Austin was probably the most popular wrestler during the most popular period in time. So for I'd say I'm a fan. You know, I have others who are fa- more favourites. But Steve Austin is probably the reason why my butt was in front of that TV, yeah. you know, every Friday night or whatever.
1: Aaron Knee tweeted in saying that he truly proves that faces can be cool and badass, which is a lost art form.
0: Yeah, that's good. So obviously a face being a baby face, being a good guy. A good guy. But he's proving that you can be a good guy, but not be that disgusting, as we said, white meat baby face. Ugh. He's not going to be like John Cena. Steve Austin ain't going to be kissing no babies. So he-
1: what's the term for a baby face that's not like a... What, dark meat baby face? <laughs>
0: they don't use dark meat baby face, surprisingly. What would be used a lot of the time for a good guy, a face, who's got, who does some kind of bad guy things, like Steve Austin, you know, swearing, kicking people in the nuts, using weapons, drinking beer, some bad guy tendencies. We would use a, the phrase tweener to describe...
1: Tweener! A
0: tweener, who not necessarily all the time, but... You know, it that sounds be... like
1: a derogatory term for a millennial. <laughs>
0: Listen here, you tweener garbage. Get the hell out of my neighbourhood. With your
1: selfies and your Instagram. Your
0: selfie sticks and your lattes and your fold-out furniture. You no-good tweener bastards. So, yeah, um, another one here, which we have from Tom Wilshire. Uh, he's quoting a, a famous wrestling manager called Paul Heyman saying, Watch the way Steve Austin runs into the ropes. You know, you've got those, those ropes set across the wrestling ring. Oftentimes, if you see a crappy wrestler who kind of runs into those ropes. They're meant to have some sort of momentum or purpose, like they're going into them, ready to bounce off them, and they kind of meekly tap against them. Oh, I hurt my arm. Oh, yeah. Steve Austin literally looks like someone is chasing him with a gun when he's running in the ring. Like, he has this reckless abandon. And someone mentioned as well on Twitter, even he's watched watch when Steve Austin walks out of the ring, he's just someone who straight away, you're like, all right, I know this maybe isn't, this isn't real, this is all a fake, but that guy believes his character. That guy seems... Legitimate, you yeah. know. I like that you can tell her from Steve just by the way he walks.
1: Aww. Aww. 13 tweeted in saying that Steve Austin is believable in everything he did. Solid in ring wrestler who became an amazing brawler due to injury. Which, due to injury?
0: Yes. Well, uh, Steve Austin, as we'll get into, obviously, is someone whose career trajectory obviously got altered a lot because of the very real risk of injury. And I think it's going to be great now getting into this with Steve Austin that some of the fans who tweeted in are picking up on it rightly, that obviously Steve has climbed to the top, has got a very big injury or two in it, which is seeing how a wrestler deals with that and maintains her success can be really interesting, definitely to look into that.
1: So is there a difference between a wrestler and a brawler?
0: Brawler would usually be used to describe someone who mainly focuses on doing punches, kicks, stomps, as if they were in a bar fight. If you notice Steve... In the matches, which we've watched for this, probably has five or six moves in total. Most of them are variants of him punching or kicking you. So we'd use a brawler to describe someone who's kind of, you know, rough and tumble, as opposed to, say, someone who'd be like a very technically gifted person who does a lot of flips or a lot of mat wrestling or ground wrestling. Or someone like John Cena would be considered to be more of a brawler because he does a lot of punches and kicks. Okay. Steve Austin, definitely.
1: So as well as tweets, we got people commenting in on Facebook.
0: What are, what are the equivalent of Facebook? I mean, Twitter tweets, Facebook posts? faced pages. What is posts? it? Posts. 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 Yeah, that'll work.
1: So we got some posts. Yeah, it sounds weird.
0: We read them all. We read them all. <laughs> we put them on the fridge.
1: So yeah, we got some posts in on uh, on HowToWrestling, facebook.com forward slash HowToWrestling.
0: Do give it a like.
1: Do give it a like. We had one from Ben Connolly saying, one of my earliest memories of wrestling is watching a VHS that my dad had recorded of a Steve Austin match, where at one point he ran out of the ring because, cue my dad's voiceover, forgot me beer. (laughs) That's my Steve Austin impression. To then run back in, shotgunning a can before smacking whoever he was against in the head. Or at least that's how I remember it. So yeah, my question is, What's his deal?
0: What's his deal? Well, I think a lot of what Steve Austin's deal could be summed up in probably that little clip that they saw. Steve Austin is beer, okay? Steve Austin, his most purest form, if he was a type of Pokemon, he'd be a beer type Pokemon. You know what I mean? And he's got Hangover, which causes, you know, like a poison type effect over... I'm not, I'm not making up Steve Austin Pokemon thing here. That's another podcast entirely, I'm sure. But Steve Austin's main deal is beer. So what comes with beer? Violence? <laughs> swearing? Middle fingers? things not going as they meant to, disruption, hating your boss, all that kind of stuff. That's Steve Austin's deal in in covers. Steve Austin is, in no uncertain terms, a redneck who wants to fight people. And I think wrestling, the most successful characters are those whose deals are just, their real life personality kind of turned up a little bit. And Steve Austin is, by his own admission, he's a redneck from Texas. He hunts, he likes guns, he has a ranch... You know, he likes IPA.
1: So does that mean, is he like mad right wing?
0: No, in, in some ways, I mean, Austin, I know, like he likes to hunt and he's pro-gun. But also as well, Austin is also pro-gay marriage and whatnot. So, you know, I don't think he's someone that maybe because he is a, a, a redneck from Texas that you think immediately, oh, that he's like some sort of right wing Republican nut. I right. think he's a moderate conservative, I would guess. But in terms of his actual deal in the ring... It's just that kind of redneck personality, you know, kind of shit, anything happened. This guy's kind of crazy, isn't he? God, he's drinking an awful lot of beer. He looks good in those cut-off jeans, you know? And that resonated with a whole generation of fans. And not just those people who aspire to be a redneck from Texas. I certainly looked awful in cut-off jean shorts, and yet the man was still a hero of mine growing up.
1: Did you wear cut-off jean shorts? No,
0: no, no, but I mean, I kind of... I would make myself on the wrestling game and preview his attire on my character and be like, that just doesn't work with the glasses. At least
1: you're able to recognize that. At
0: least I was able to recognize that, albeit through N64 graphics. Yeah. Instead of. <laughs> I'm just saying, no jean shorts were bought under under ill advice in the man household. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so Joe, do you want to tell the folks what we watched on the network then? Available for an undisclosed fee uh, on WWE.com? Yes,
1: yeah, so we watched a few matches and a documentary. And the documentary was Stone Cold Steve Austin, the bottom line on the most popular superstar of all time. Can we We've, get an acronym for that shit? does remind <laughs> me of BoJack Horseman season two of... <laughs> Well, celebrities. Celebrities. Do they know anything? That's fine. <laughs> <I can't laughs> it is. It's really long, but
0: but yeah, this is a quite quite a mouthful. I like as well is that the title uh, picture for this is just Steve looking very intense, very intense individual, and then that very very thin banner underneath in tiny writing and the bottom. Line, it's like a paragraph. Saying. Seriously, it's like a very very long white line uh, around Steve Austin's neck. The documentary, main reason for going for that was that I have you know I had it before myself on DVD. Thought it was quite good in giving an overview of Steve's rise and also kind of his struggles. The last third of it or so, kind of after we finish up about Steve's in-ring career and get into some other stuff, it does become a bit of a shill factory. So there's all this unnecessary stuff in the end of it. And then Steve, after having an amazing career, made a straight-to-DVD video. And then... <laughs> another straight you know and they have their own segments so yeah. first two thirds of this I thought were, were pretty solid did you enjoy watching this documentary oh
1: yeah it was really interesting
0: it's just sit down interviews with Steve and it's him kind, kind of, of telling his life story and it's in his in words way. kind of yeah. yeah and you get all the footage obviously from the different companies and you get to see Steve's rise not just in the WWE, but the other companies and territories yeah. that he went through. So it was pretty interesting, yeah.
1: They, uh, we mentioned this earlier, but they do, they refer to him as the greatest of all time. Yeah. Now, when we we're watching this, I kind of assumed that was something that they do with all wrestlers they're going to have documentaries about because it makes the documentary sound good. Yeah. But you were saying they don't do that.
0: They kind of are, they, it's strange in that you're, you're going to think this is so ridiculous but in wrestling, obviously, you've probably got maybe ten to twenty guys who you can say are like arguing themselves as being all time greats. And there's obviously not a lot of room at the top, and you can't just be calling someone the greatest of all time because obviously you're constantly the greatest of all time There's like maybe ten of the guys who are like, but no, I was the greatest of all I time. thought
1: they'd just do that anyway.
0: They don't. And actually the wrestlers are a little bit of, a little bit of it is marketing and a lot of it is ego. For instance, Ric Flair, who someone will do a, a a show on, he'll be referred to as being the greatest in ring performer of all time, basically. Or, but Shawn Michaels or someone like that would also be referred to as being like, you know, the the greatest big match wrestler of all time. He was thing was WrestleMania. The Undertaker is like he's the phenom. Okay, the what? The, he's the phenom. Uh, if you're a phenomenon, shortened oh. your phenom. He's a phenom and he's got the greatest streak in the history of wrestling. Inside a lingo there. Seriously. And like, you know, Mick Foley is a hardcore, he's the hardcore legend. Oh yeah, okay? yeah, I've noticed that, yeah. Then here's where it gets a bit weird. There was a while in wrestling where a lot of people were trying to lay claim to the title icon. So you had Sting, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan, all these guys were all claiming to be the icon. And now kind of it's settled down a bit. But I remember the moment specifically when they kind of literally just said it and it was when Steve Austin was being brought into the, the Hall of Fame which is WWE's kind of like it's, it's what's their Hall of Fame is the best way of putting it. <laughs> and Vince inducted Steve and I was actually there for that. That was the WrestleMania I went to. And when Vince went, I want to now induct the greatest superstar of all time we all went... <gasps> He said it. Wow. You can't just decide which Ben and Jerry's flavor is best and he said it, you know? It's like, like ladies and gentlemen, objectively the best flavour of ice cream of all goddamn time. Fish food, you know. It was And I'm like, that's not objective, Vince, but you know. So Steve is he has seemingly at the moment, and if recent events are anything to go by, has very safely laid claim to the moniker. Of the greatest of all time. I mean,
1: I noticed on WWE, was it 2016, that, that video game? Yeah, yeah,
0: he's featured very prominently.
1: He's on yeah. the cover. Yeah. Like, male Shep.
0: Yes, even though he hasn't wrestled in like a gajillion years. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. But all I will say is that in terms of understanding what this means in wrestling, if Steve Austin, The Rock, and Ric Flair were all sat down, three big, big wrestlers all sat down at like, I don't know, a panel to discuss something... And then they said, and Rick, of course, you're obviously the greatest wrestler of all time. there would be an uncomfortable silence because oh. Steve Austin has got that moniker for now, it seems, anyway. But well, yeah, that was interesting. And obviously watching this now, even though you're going to hear other names bandied about, in at least in WWE's view and Vince's view as it stands, Steve Austin is the most popular, the greatest of all time. So
1: I have a question then. Yeah. Because recently, supposedly, Vince McMahon's notes to the... Commentators were kind of. Leaked. Oh
0: yes, yes, yes.
1: And obviously, it's a lot for them to remember. Huge m- amounts of notes for yeah. them. Does that mean that they have like within those notes the title of you know these things? Oh would
0: yeah, you- yeah, exactly. Now they would like so again if
1: like an index. It's almost it, oh, it's it would basically you find index. out which oh he's the hardcore legend. Ah.
0: And it's funny because like. It it gets really ridiculous. Austin, one of his monikers as well, is the toughest son of a bitch in the WWF. Was his thing in the nineties. Obviously, when it wasn't PG. And I remember Mick Foley in a very scary match, and it was like, wow, you know, this man has literally been nearly legitimately killed. It felt like, and the announcer was like, he's the toughest. Su- Son of a bitch in this environment, in this oh, environment, because it's like, gosh.
1: no, that's not his, that's not his. Yeah, Vince screaming down his ear like, don't you dare. Those aren't your toys,
0: they're <laughs> mine, you know. So yeah, just to bear that in mind when we're, when we're kind of getting into it here that, you know, wow. S- Steve, the monikers, I think it's an interesting one for, for wrestling, new wrestling fans to oh, know. I had no idea it was so political. There is a hierarchy, yeah. a very political, yeah.
1: Well, so. what's more important then? I'm guessing greatest is more important than hardcore legend. Yeah. I what think about so. the one that Ric Flair is? Is he more? He's the greatest important? in-ring performer is that of all better time. Better or worse? Well, it and... depends.
0: If you're someone who's just like straight up or in in between those ropes, wrestling bell to bell, who's the best? And that's meant to be Ric Flair. But if we say taking into account all aspects. Okay. Steve has that that token. Yeah. So, money, match quality, popularity. And blah, that's blah, blah.
1: how he gets greatest of all time. That's how
0: he gets the longest motherfucking documentary title of all time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> One thing I noticed is that young Steve Austin... Now, excuse me for this, because I'm going to do a lot of these, because young Steve Austin reminds me of many things.
0: Mm. And he, I think we can imagine young Steve Austin didn't really look like you'd think he'd look. No! <laughs> can you describe current Steve Austin as in...
1: Current Steve Austin, yeah. He's, what, 50, 60-something? It's 50, hard to tell because he's, he's got, got no hair. Yeah, he's
0: looked the same for the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: so he's bald. Yeah. Um, he has a kind of goatee kind of reddish coloured.
0: Where's your rule on goatees, just generally speaking? What do you mean? If I was to start rocking a sweet goatee. Mm -mm. Well, someone's ruined their Christmas surprise.
1: (laughs) But he pulls it off. Not all men can. Mm -hmm. Um, What if
0: I was to shave my head and my beard into a goatee? Well,
1: probably could work. Maybe it's just because it's Steve Austin and I know he can... That's tricky. I'll have to see it. Anyway... (laughs) Young Steve Austin, I've written down in my notes, looks like Wash from Firefly. Mm,
0: very good. The uh, swept away blonde hair.
1: This isn't the first visual comparison I make for Steve Austin.
0: That's, that's really good. No, definitely. In my notes. Steve Austin, yeah, starting off, long blonde hair, million dollar smile, tanned a hunk, yeah. we could he say. He was a hunk. I think we posted on on Facebook a picture of Steve Austin when he was a bit of a hunk here, and yeah. got some feedback on it. People his... seemed to be in, in agreement.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We, I think it, we all decided that Steve Austin is a hunk who wears some great leggings.
0: Yeah, definitely colorful. And I think what's interesting when we're looking at early Steve Austin here, when you compare, you know, a lot of stuff we talked about with John Cena, fans resenting him feeling that, you know, he was handed opportunities or came kind of too much too soon because John kind of was around for a little bit, then appeared in the WWF and then seemed to be pretty much with a rocket ship going straight to the top. Whereas if we look at Steve, how he started off, literally he was just a guy at university who used to go to the local wrestling matches and thought, well, I'll give that a try. And yeah, he kind of just went for it. Steve Austin, I think I wanted you to find this out on, on the podcast About when Steve Austin found out that wrestling wasn't uh, necessarily above board.
1: This is actually something uh, I think a couple of people have tweeted in about, asking if I I knew about this, which I don't. I don't know anything about Steve Austin finding out wrestling is fake.
0: (gasps) Use the F word again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I kind of assumed he always knew, but I'm guessing from the question, he didn't.
0: No. Steve kind of broke into wrestling, obviously, in the very, very, you know, the early 80s or whatever, so... There were still territories around like we mentioned in our first episode. Some people still quite protective about the secrets being exposed. Steve Austin only found out that wrestling wasn't real. Okay? Five or so minutes before he was walking out to wrestle his first match. As in going through the curtain, thinks he's ready for the fight of his life and then he's told that, you know, this guy is going to win or you're going to win or whatever. Oh
1: my God. How
0: protective is that to think they let the man train, give them money to train? You know, basically... Start this life under false pretenses.
1: Jesus. It's crazy
0: to think. And that, obviously, that's unheard of these days. Yeah. Imagine if someone's going on EastEnders, I like to think. I like, they're about to do a scene with Phil Mitchell, I'm about to hit him. And like, by the way, this isn't <laughs> real. Like, what? But I thought he slept with my wife, you know? <laughs> it's uh, interesting to think that that was how things were, were done that back back then.
1: Yeah. It seems a lot of Steve Austin's career is kind of built on that sort of motif. Yeah, of not knowing certain things or having a short amount of time before his matches. Yeah, he seems to, a lot of his career seems to be based around him not knowing things, not through his own ignorance, just through not being told stuff. Like he had to come up with his own wrestling name in fifteen minutes.
0: Yeah, because he obviously wants to use his real name, yeah. Steve Williams. But Catchy. you can't. You can't be Steve Williams because there's Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Duh. Yeah. So. He's given, basically... He comes up with a whole bunch of different names. None of them are really good. And a guy called Dutch Mantel. He ends up saying, right, you're Steve Austin. And even though there was a TV show on at the time called The Million Six Million Dollar Man, we can rebuild him. And the main character was called Steve Austin. And I thought, the funny, the fact that, well, you can't be Steve Williams because there's a Steve Williams. Because, you know, loads of people here in Texas and Oklahoma know him. But you can be Steve Austin, even though there's a fucking nationally syndicated TV show yeah. that's like the most popular thing so he's Steve Austin then and that's it for the rest of his career
1: and now he's way more famous than the original Steve Austin
0: definitely I mean if you type in Steve Austin in yeah. Google Images a bald man comes up <laughs> no tracksuits inside
1: so how come Steve Austin became stunning Steve Austin
0: because of his chiselled good looks and hunkish demeanour <laughs> is that like
1: a branding thing then yeah
0: basically I think it's if you're a wrestler and you've Gotten, you've got to have a character, obviously. And a character usually comes with it a name. So they were big on alliteration in the 80s. Ravishing Rick Rude, you know. Handsome Harley Race. Stunning Steve Austin.
1: And his whole thing was that he was a really good looking guy, right? He
0: was stunning, exactly. Stunning. He had the, uh, the looks of an angel and the voice of a fucking pig demon. <laughs> look how, look how handsome I am.
1: I like his voice.
0: I love his voice. It's amazing, but... Yeah, stunning Steve Austin. He would have wrestled then in a territory in then in Texas, this small company called WCCW, which he would have been kind of a young rookie coming up just as WWF was getting big and that company was kind of was winding down, essentially. So Steve kind of learned from a lot of really respected names in wrestling. People like Gentleman Chris Adams was his trainer and he would have been considered to be like, wait, well, if this guy teaches you and he thinks you're good your are your, your, set, and that's something we didn't get into with John as well, because John was kind of has a bit of a manufactured vibe about him. But a lot of the older wrestlers who will talk about their training and who trained them is almost as important to them as anything else, because that's where they kind of learn how to, you know, how to work as a wrestler, or how to develop a character, or how to put themselves across, and all these great things that we hear about Steve always like that how believable his wrestling is and how. How I don't know. Um, how there's so no subtle guesswork in what he's doing. He really feels he is that character. It kind of came in because he was in this awesome neck of the world where it was like Paris in the '60s or something. Texas in the '80s was when there's some really awesome shit going on with wrestling. Right. You know,
1: young Steve Austin once he cut his hair, yeah, um, looks like Bob Odenkirk's character in Better Call Saul, Saul Goodman,
0: with the beautiful fringe. Yeah, something to do with the hair, to,
1: uh... the possibly slightly receding hairline. Slightly, yes. The kind eyes.
0: Very kind eyes. Baby blue eyes had Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. And the Jim Ross, the announcer, would always be like, Stone Cold Steve Austin is a heartless son of a bitch, but look at his beautiful blue eyes. A
1: true OTP. A
0: true OTP right there, yeah. definitely. Starved Steve Austin. Something around this point I thought was always interesting. Obviously, if you're a wrestler and it's the 80s and you're just learning... How much do you think that he was making, you know, per week to to live on?
1: He just started.
0: Just did we start maybe a year or two into wrestling?
1: And what year was this?
0: Like maybe 83, 84?
1: God, I mean, I have no idea. Um, I don't really know how big he'd be. He wasn't really. I
0: mean, just kind of an entry salary for a wrestler. Entry. I
1: mean, it's either going to be ridiculously low, mm. like Rocky, where he makes like ten dollars <laughs> and he gets beaten to a pulp. Yeah. Or it's going to be something amazing, like thirty grand.
0: No, it's the first one.
1: Oh, no. Do you know what Steve
0: Austin ate during this time to sustain himself? Because this is what really har- sucks. Is like, you're a wrestler, and obviously in wrestling in the 80s, you have to look a certain way. Ob- obviously, Austin has gone the hunk route. Mm. That's where he's going. So obviously, to be a hunk, you need to eat food and get yeah. protein and all that shit. You're getting paid in like popcorn, hot dogs... Ten dollars a night, maybe. Wait, he
1: got paid in hot dogs. Oh yeah, rest is
0: the time you get like paid and in like
1: popcorn. Yeah,
0: like nothing sometimes even.
1: Jesus.
0: And any money that he would make, he'd kind of to put right back in to pay for his expenses or whatever. But it was all to get the experience. But at this time, he famously would eat raw potatoes and tuna fish just to fill himself up.
1: What? So to think, Why not all that cook time the potatoes and have a nice tuna Because I don't think he, he didn't potato. have a cooker. That's really sad. It's
0: sad though to think during this time where he's trying to like be this hunk and whatnot, and he is literally a starving artist for lack of a better term. You Jesus. wouldn't necessarily associate that. So hard ways coming up, like when you're when you're a wrestler That's
1: admirable. Start.
0: It is to, to stick it out through that, you kind of feel like the success that comes is well earned as a result, I guess.
1: Yeah. So then it was the Hollywood Blondes. Yay, the Hollywood Blondes Which I loved. Steve Austin and a guy called Brian Pillman.
0: What did you think of uh, of Brian? I think uh, he's one of my favorite wrestlers. I love his, his curly hair.
1: I loved their chemistry. They, they were, were so funny. They're really cute together. And at one point, Brian gave Steve a little kiss. <laughs> I love them. Steve seems to be one of those guys that men fall in love with. Like yeah. Jim Ross seems to be in love with him. And I think Brian Pillman was maybe a little a bit little in love, bit love there. there as well. Yeah,
0: And this kind of... The Hollywood Blondes is one of the kind of... Uh, it's a recurring thing with Austin's career, which is that him kind of maybe not getting the breaks that he felt he deserved or yeah. he needed. And Austin was in WCW, which is the other kind of main company in competition with WWF at this time. And he was hoping that maybe something would come of it. Right. There was talk that he might feud with, uh, with Hulk Hogan or something like that. You know, get a, a big, big, wow. You know, this is in the, the ni- early 90s. And instead, instead of this big plan, he was just randomly put in a random tag team, which is kind of, right, you and Brian, we've nothing for you, whatever. But them taking that opportunity, instead of just being a random tag team, who are now pissed off that they didn't get their promises kept or whatever, yeah. they really work with it. And they make their, you know, the Hollywood Blondes, that was a name that they came up with. Right. You know, they got their own trunks that had Hollywood Blondes written on it. They came up with all the names for the moves, doing the whole little... They did a little, little dance where they come out and they'll roll the camera and all that wow. stuff. And that's all them. That's not someone giving that to them. That's them saying, right, we've been put in a shitty situation. They want to forget about us. And they really go with it. And the Hollywood Blondes is a really entertaining tie team. And they actually ended up becoming really successful. And it's a recurring theme with Steve Austin, I think, is just that he couldn't be held down. He was yeah. just too fucking good. That even when people were trying to say, no, you're not meant to be this star at the moment, that... He still manages... I mean,
1: it happens all throughout his life, judging from the documentary watched. It seems to happen a lot.
0: Making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. Basically.
1: He's, yeah, he's a hardworking and clever man.
0: Definitely. But yeah, Hollywood Blonde's really, really good. And of course, this is going to come up a few times as we go through episodes, but WCW is not necessarily the most competent of organisations. And a lot of very famous people got fucked over very big by this company. And the Hollywood Blondes, really entertaining, really cool, the stuff we saw. And then immediately, as soon as they were gathering Steve, they just split them up. Because... So they're trying to hold
1: back Steve Austin again. Yeah. This is just another example.
0: And you kind of... Why do you think... Oh, just as a matter of interest, I mean, because you saw you know, the other clips and you saw how entertaining Steve was. Why do you think... As a new fan, what what could be the reason for... setting them up? Yeah, for like, or holding them down even.
1: I mean, I can only assume they thought maybe they could do better things individually, or maybe they just hated them.
2: Mm.
1: Like, maybe there was a personal vendetta against one or both yeah. of them. I of... don't know, it just seems like a stupid thing to do, because they were good. Yeah. Like, I mean, the bits we watched uh, in the documentary, the Hollywood Blondes were fantastic. They yeah. were so entertaining. And I would love to watch more matches of theirs.
0: I think it becomes a case that I think that again, it's another company now where you've you're meant to be almost forgotten about and you make it into this big thing and it's successful, haha, <laughs> we get the last laugh.
1: I guess that's it. Split up. But it seems like shooting yourself in the foot, really. <clears throat> it's like, oh no, he's <laughs> proven us wrong that he you know, we don't think he should be a celebrity. Oh, he's gone and made himself pretty much one anyway. Well we're gonna just knock him down. Just to prove a point.
0: Yeah, you should imagine the uh, the bookers at the time. Be like, I can't believe it. That son of a bitch, Steve Austin, has made me all more this money in my office. There's money everywhere. I I hate this. (laughs) How dare the man make you money and be entertaining?
1: Yeah,
0: making people watch the show. But again, it's you said before, politics. A lot of it comes into play, which is older wrestlers. Not liking oh, younger guess, wrestlers yeah. coming up and kind of going, right, no, it's actually, it's our time.
1: Was that it? Was, a, was an older wrestler, like, pissed off that he was getting all this, they were getting the spotlight? More or less,
0: like, it's kind of, it's a few instances <gasps> That's of that. shocking. And that happens so much in wrestling.
1: That's really sad.
0: It is, it's really, and it still goes on to this day. Oh, no. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> oh.
1: Okay, and then, so, in true fashion of holding the man down... He uh, Steve Austin got uh, got injured. I can't remember what his injury was. It's like a
0: triceps or something. Yeah, like Yeah, that.
1: something that he would have healed from yeah. in in time. Uh, and they fired him by for it. F- by
0: FedEx as well.
1: Really, by <laughs> FedEx. <laughs> yeah. They can't fire him for being injured nowadays. There'd be a lawsuit surely against that.
0: I think the whole thing was that as a wrestler, you have like. On your contract you have like a minimum number of dates which you have to make and then you have like a guaranteed sum of money and then you make money on top of that. And as far as I could tell the rationale behind letting Steve go was that out of the contract they had currently he had spent more time of it like injured than time of it on the road and they had an option in the contract which was, right, he's not making money we clearly don't have plans for him because they clearly didn't. So they're like, right, we're just cutting you because cost saving because you're injured. And even if you weren't injured, we probably... Be- if you weren't injured, we could use you for something like have someone else beat you. You know, there'll be a, a role for you. But if they had no plans for him and he's injured, that's it. They got rid of him. And that sucks. But you can you, they do have a rationale, right. I guess. But the, their rationale is based on their own bullshit, really. The only reason yeah. why he was no use to them was because they didn't...
1: And they'd split up the Hollywood Blondes as well if they hadn't done that. Yeah. He could have been injured and he could have still carried on doing stuff. So. And as
0: we'll go on to find out, being injured doesn't necessarily mean Steve Austin can't be lots of foot on your show. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: So, so poor Steve Austin, been split up from an amazing tag team that was doing really well that he had a seemingly quite a lot of creative control over. Gets a lot injured. of
0: romantic freedom. And a lot of a- romantic freedom.
1: <laughs> gets injured, gets fired for basically no reason. And I love this so much. So then he turns it around. Oh, no, hang on. So I love this so much. So Paul Heyman approached him from ECW. Now, yeah. Paul Heyman is currently Brock Lesnar's manager.
0: Yes. Uh, very kind of well regarded, famous mind in wrestling. Yeah. As well. like, who we
1: will do an episode on because I don't know. Much oh, definitely. About
0: him. But both behind the scenes and in front of the camera, big big player. Paul volume. Heyman seems
1: to be one of the most important men in wrestling. Oh, I would just, say so, definitely. Various yeah. things I've heard. So, Paul Heyman owned a rival wrestling company? Yeah,
0: smaller... The, out of the main three that were would have been at the time, the smallest... Would have been ECW.
1: And it's the like the hardcore proper f- yeah. like niche fans. Definitely. And that's the same company. So ECW is the same company that we mentioned in How to John Cena. Yes,
0: definitely. Those are the ones who booed John at yeah. the Hammerstein Ballroom against, against Rob and Rob Van Dam. Van Damme. Yeah. Okay. Now also as well, I mean, people at the time, um, a big parallel would be what NXT is at the moment. Right It's kind of It's for the connoisseur The harder fan In
1: terms of the audience But not in terms of the Wrestling In terms
0: of wrestling ECW would have Obviously a lot of Blood and guts and violence Yeah it seems more Another aspect to it though Was that They did also have a lot of Like very technical Very flippy Okay ECW would have been The first company To bring over uh, Luchadors from Mexico Or people over from Japan They would have Been big on that So they were innovators In that sense
1: Paul Heyman approached Steve Austin with ECW, and said, look, I know you're injured, but you know we'd love to have you have you on doing promos anyway. You can just say whatever you like doing promos on, on whatever. And Steve Austin took him up on it.
0: And I love the idea that Paul is like, Paul knew straight away when he first saw him, he said that he knew that he was talented and he was going to be this huge star. Yeah, And he knew that WWF weren't going to hire Steve because he was injured. And the WCW obviously had just fired him. So he knew that He knew that Steve was pissed off and he could talk. So he just basically put a microphone in front of Steve Austin and made money.
1: (laughs) And it's such an investment as well because he knew he'd heal from the injury. And that when he did, he'd have this already established character.
0: And they did exactly that, yeah.
1: So Steve Austin basically made his gimmick all about hating on WCW. (laughs) Specifically the guy who fired him from WCW. Eric Bischoff, yes. yeah. So he did, like, a promo pretending to be the guy who fired him. Uh, And (laughs) it was just really funny, silly stuff.
0: He went as well in this period from handsome hunk Steve Austin, blonde hair, looking cool, to shaved head, disheveled, stubble, piercing fucking blue eyes. And Steve, like... This is back in the day now when you would have like a blown up cartoon character be like, Hey, I'm gonna go get you in the big steel cage, dude, you know? Right. And this was Steve Austin, like, face to face, real slow, never raising, you know, not raising his voice, just calmly. Oh, it's so good. Some of my favorite promos ever. Steve Austin just so, shooting the shit in ECW. <laughs> uh,
1: he does seem to have visibly aged.
0: Oh, yeah. And he looks like he's been through shit. Yeah. And that's why I think it worked because I wonder
1: if he went through some kind of breakdown or something like. You'd
0: have to because I mean he spent most yeah. of the year injured and he tops it off by being fired and before that his career was being fucked over constantly as well so And I
1: suppose would have been joining ECW would have been seen like a like a demotion, wouldn't it?
0: It I would mean, have been like those who really knew their shit would have been like could have seen the, the importance of it but most people would have been like well, what's he doing there I mean, on a it. smaller yeah because it's a smaller company. company it's it's like a recording artist not going to the festival and instead doing a you know spoken word gig in a jazz
1: cafe slam poetry
0: this one's called wonder <laughs> <laughs> but yeah definitely Vis V A during this period but the most important thing that happens is steve finally gets a chance to talk he gets a chance to use that real life frustration to start turning from stunning Steve Austin into a more gritty, pissed off, you know, tough tough cut character like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, would this eventually. seems to be
1: like the turning point it's really. It's like
0: the beta of, of, yeah. of Stone Cold here. When he
1: was born.
0: Yeah, and it's it's funny because Paul Heyman can always look back now and kind of go, well. I did know, that. because That was kind of me really because three years before it was anything here with Steve Austin in ECW. Yeah you know, doing it here, you know, and that's what's really, really cool about it. So cool. And then he raises his profile in this process and manages to get hired by WWF, which would have been like his one of his main long term goals. Everyone wants to get signed by the WWF, now known as the WWE obviously. And it was kind of the buzz was created. It was like, Oh, have you heard what he's doing in ECW? He's cutting these promos, he had these matches and then all of a sudden you think, right, he's been signed by WWF. That's it, Pearly Gates, contract, success, love, great. That's going to work out for him, right? Surely, now, now, after all of this.
1: Except (laughs) they they gave him a new character. Even though they had this established working character with a fair amount of fame and success, they gave him a new name, the Ringmaster.
0: The Ringmaster.
1: Which makes him sound like he should run a circus and wear a top hat.
0: Yeah, and that's to be funny, right? Imagine, I always imagine this, which is like, if you're driving home and you're a lapsed wrestling fan and you hear on the radio. And don't forget to tune into Raw tonight, folks, where the ringmaster will be debuting. And out comes this shaved head, plain black trunks. He hasn't even got hoops on fire or a curly mustache. This is not a ringmaster
1: Next time I play in D&D, I'm going to name my character the Ringmaster. The
0: Ringmaster. No one defeats the Ringmaster, <laughs> Batman. It's a 60s Batman villain is what the Ringmaster is.
1: And because Steve Austin isn't an idiot, he hated the name and managed to convince Vince McMahon to let him come up with his own kind of gimmick. Yeah, because he was name.
0: very... like. Not only was he given this stupid, goofy fucking thing, which is... The ring, like they gave him the name solely, I think, so Vince McMahon on commentary could go, "Well, they call him the Ringmaster because that's the ring, and he's certainly the master of that." It's,
1: it's all creative, fucking there. hell, all like innovative you know? name.
0: I mean, seriously, and Vince doesn't like to be proven wrong. Right. We'll get into Vince in his own Because I was surprised
1: when in the documentary how it said that Vince let him pick his own thing. Because
0: Vince is a genius, right? So therefore... every uh, Everything
1: if, that man touches turns to gold. Sadly, no matter if it's good or not. No. Even if he's
0: handed a large piece of gold, <laughs> he'll just smear that and shit and write ringmaster <laughs> with his baby finger with poo going everywhere. That, that's what he'll do. So yeah, um, Steve, then he... Fi- Steve was also given... like This is the most ridiculous thing. Steve was actually given a mouthpiece, a manager, to speak for him. So he was given a guy called Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, who's like one of the best interview guys ever. And they gave him to Steve because Vince just assumed that Steve couldn't talk.
1: What? Why did they hire him?
0: Now, ask me if you... Did he
1: not watch anything from ECW? Ask
0: me if Vince McMahon watched the ECW tapes. Well, did he? No.
1: Did anyone who and I'm I'm
0: basing him? this on the fact that similar things happened to other wrestlers at the time who did a big thing in ECW. Then Vince hired them, and he he didn't know anything about their ECW run. Vince's hierarchy, Vince's staff, they probably watched it and they informed Vince on the basis of it, saying he's really good. They didn't Vince, say why. Didn't Vince, say
1: why he's really good.
0: Vince thought he needed a, a mouthpiece, so kind of back to square one. But yeah, he he goes to Vince. And he wants a new character. This is a this I think was an eye-opening experience for you, Joe. This was the
1: funniest thing ever to me. So Steve Austin went away to think of his own his own thing, and uh, I just imagine him sitting back at home, pondering over his new brand, his new gimmick, his new name, uh, watching repeats on the uh, History Channel, or whatever documentaries. And he basically was sitting at home watching this documentary on like a serial killer or a mass murder or something. And uh, he said that the guy had like this look of like emptiness or coldness. He just had this like sheer look of, of cold nothing. So he went back and he told WWF and Vince McMahon about this serial killer idea, and he liked the idea of kind of taking a bit of that for his persona. Yeah,
0: so the idea of being emphasising the cold, ruthless nature. The cold, ruthless nature, exactly,
1: yeah. So they went away, and they got their expert team of staff and writers, and uh, they went away to try and come up with a name based on on his idea. Crack
0: team here. Crack
1: team. (laughs) And they came back with three pages of A4 of really bad names, such as... Now, these are genuine names WWF thought would work for Steve Austin. We could
0: put these on t shirts, conceivably.
1: Are you ready? Otto von Ruthless, <laughs> Ice Dagger, <laughs> and my personal favourite, Fang McFrost. <laughs>
0: Uh, there's one they didn't tell you Which I've been waiting to, to, to share with oh, you God. Uh, Which I think takes the cake Which is Chili McFreeze Jesus Christ <laughs> Which sounds like an ice pop.
1: <laughs> they all sound like awful ice cream Seriously Like Ice Dagger, Fang McFrost yeah. Oh no,
0: Dad bought us a round of Otto Von
1: Ruthlessness. <laughs> <It's> awful <laughs> They taste like Bernie So of course he hated those names as he should have done. His wife was there supporting him while he read through these shit pages of awful, fucking terrible names. (laughs) And uh, she made him a nice cup of tea, uh, left it by him on the table, on the desk, and said, drink your tea, darling, before it gets stone cold. Now, I added a darling because I'm British. Don't forget your tea. You know, it'll get, get stone cold. And so Steve Austin... There, I imagine him having like a revelation, an epiphany. Glass a, slowly yeah, breaks. <laughs> a light bulb appears above. Maybe the glass breaking, that's, you know, r- in relation to his intro, you know, glass shattering thing. Anyway, <laughs> a light bulb above his head. And uh, he thought, yeah, stone cold. I'm going to name myself after a nice cup of tea. A nice <laughs> cup of cold tea.
0: Stone cold tea.
1: I love that so much that one of the most aggressive. <laughs> badass wrestlers (laughs) is named after self-named after his wife's cup of cold tea.
0: And it's quite funny as well because I mean not just anyone can have that revelation, because, I mean, I make cups of tea for you all the time, and you often let them go stone cold. All the time. And it's as if every time I point out, you know, that's getting a bit cold, you kind of turn, like, hang on! <laughs> am I just supposed to become the most successful wrestler of all time? You're not, no, you're not, the pieces weren't there, unfortunately. Stone Cold Steve Austin, he has the moniker, it starts off as just being this kind of cold type character, but very soon thereafter, it just seems to become a vehicle for Stevie, I mean, he he gets to get to he gets to talk on his own now. He starts developing this just pissed off, frustrated. I've been kept down by all these companies type character. It's just him with the volume yeah. turned up. Yeah, I mean, he has
1: been kept down.
0: <laughs> and this comes up to a head where Austin, kind of, basically, because the guy who was meant to win it was in bad in the bad books for one reason or another. We'll get to that in another episode, folks. Steve Austin ends up being penciled in to win the prestigious King of the Ring Championship, which is kind of like a tournament which they used to do. It was usually being... It was viewed as kind of like, if you won the tournament, it meant that you would become a big star. It's kind of lost some of that luster recently. And with a very simple line, Steve faced against a wrestler named Jake the Snake Roberts in the finals. And Jake Roberts had quoted some biblical scripture because that was his thing at the time he was a born-again christian oh and he's like you know god is you know john 316 you know and righteousness psalms all that kind of stuff and steve archie earlier in the night ended up having to go to the hospital in the middle of the tournament because he busted open his mouth and austin was literally coming out of the ambulance on his way straight for the match and he was, he was like, what did Jake say? And like oh, He said some uh, biblical stuff. He talked about John 3.16. It's like, cool, fine. And when Austin won the tournament, he said, you sit there, you thump your Bible, it got you nothing. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about your John 3.16. Well, Austin 3.16 says, I just whipped your ass and just boom like that. <laughs> the most a legend like, was born. A legend was born. And here's the really funny thing. Austin rarely said Austin 3.16. He said it now and then. The crowd never chanted Austin 316. But that shirt, that 316 shirt, I think is the most popular piece of wrestling merchandise ever.
1: Even more popular than John Cena Sucks.
0: Even more popular than the John Cena tea Towel.
2: Wow.
0: As in, they moved millions of these T shirts. And that's pretty cool to think that, even still, if you walk around, you know, a big city, you'll probably find someone wearing an Austin 316 t-shirt. Yeah, I've seen him, yeah. And this happened nearly 20 years ago. But it was great, because it was just something that fans could hang on to. They popped it on signs, they popped it on shirts, and Austin, now with this kind of foul mouth character, he was meant to be a bad guy as well, that was the thing. He was meant to be a bad guy. (laughs) Because he was just pissed off, and he never smiled and he hated his opponents and he was gruff and he did cheating. And the crowd just ended up and they loved it. Wow. They thought it was great. And a lot of people at the time, a lot of wrestlers were saying that this was like, this was ruining wrestling hmm. because you have to have good guys and bad guys and your good guys have to be virtuous and your bad guys need to be, you know, people who are punished for doing this kind of stuff. And here was Steve Austin just being a fucking dickhead. And they loved him. You know, Steve Steve Austin at one point, when his former Thai partner, Brian Pillman, had his leg broke, Steve Austin invaded his home.
1: Wait, but that's his previous <laughs> I know, but they were, th- they were on
0: the outs and Pillman oh. pulled a gun on him and everything. It was like, and Austin would just get involved in these ridiculous scenarios and I think with the 316 thing, and then he was drinking beer and he was raising the middle finger and yeah, He was a bad guy at the start, but he just becomes this really, really good guy. And what really then kind of starts to sell us is when we go to WrestleMania 13, which is the first match which we watched in its entirety for this, which was Steve Austin versus Bret Hart in an I Quit match. And I don't want you to think that I'm just going to make you watch I Quit matches.
1: I'm starting to think that's the only match there is in wrestling.
0: Normal, tag, I Quit. That's
1: just the one, right?
0: So, what did you think of watching this match? This match is often touted as being one of the greatest of all time. And it was built on the whole idea that coming into this match, Brett the Hitman Hart, Steve's opponent, was very much meant to be the good guy. And Steve the bad guy. But by the time we leave this, by virtue of what happens, the roles are reversed.
1: Yeah, that was really interesting. The way that kind of happened.
0: Yeah, before your eyes like
1: yeah. Um, well, the first thing I noticed was that the referee looks like a toy.
0: Oh, God. Ken Shamrock, the referee. His a outfit. A very balloony man.
1: Yeah. His outfit looked painted on.
0: Sprayed on, I would say. Yeah. Stitched into it. like.
1: Yeah. He didn't look real.
0: <laughs> Seriously.
1: And the crowd is very angry.
0: It's very kind of... 1997, we're on the cusp of the Attitude Era, which is obviously what we review in the Attitude Era podcast. Oh, right. So this is just kind of... At the point where the norm of the good guy being the good guy and being that kind of Bret Hart, high five the kids, you know, kiss a baby, tussle the hair of a, of a young lad and give him your sunglasses. Yeah. That was ending here and the era of the good guy or the protagonist being an anti-hero was kind of coming in. So the crowd were reflecting this and the crowd were... Rowdier I think Almost Almost getting a little bit Of that ECW atmosphere Right it's really interesting
1: It's almost like ECW Started a trend Which then evolved Into mainstream wrestling
0: And I think Austin I mean People kind of say Oh the whole company Was kind of changing I mean It just was this Austin was the top guy and he was had this attitude. So it was like kind of, this is where the company is going.
1: Do you think that's it then? Do you think he started the Attitude Era? Yes, definitely. Wow. And
0: that's probably something which WWE and their many documentaries will probably kind of say, oh, it's kind of really when Triple H, it. it's not. It's Steve Austin. And maybe to a slightly lesser extent, but still very important, The Rock. Okay. Steve Austin, though, got Joe Schmo, who never watched wrestling before, to change the channel. Huh. The Rock maybe, once they were there, entertained them. But right. Steve Austin was the reason why people started watching wrestling around this this period. Huh. And this match I fucking adore. It's so physical. Yeah. Brett and Steve beat the shit out of each other. They you really start buying this whole thing as Brett like really wears into Steve. Yeah. That like Steve has just got this extra something. And even though he's not a a good guy per se, the crowd seems to respect that he's got this courage because Brett, like, viciously attacks Steve's legs, which are injured, and he goes after them relentlessly. And we get a very iconic moment where Steve gets put in that submission move, the sharpshooter. And he's got blood, with the blood.
1: pouring down his face. That man has a skill for creating mass blood.
0: Yeah, seriously.
1: So much blood.
0: I thought it's just, like, a really... I don't know it's a really emotional moment and I've seen the match a hundred times but I kind of get goosebumps when I just <laughs> see Steve like with that blood streaming down his face not quitting the announcers kind of covering for the fact that this wasn't the kind of wrestling you would see at the time you know blood and guts and bravado on this kind of scale
1: very different from the John Cena versus the Miz I Quit match.
0: Yes, instead of Steve Austin going I Quit, I Quit immediately. Well, like, you've got well, you know him showing yeah, heart.
1: You haven't got the ref every thirty seconds going Do you quit yet, Steve Austin? No. No.
0: Oh heck no!
1: <laughs> Vince McMahon is on commentary. What a maneuver! And he sounds really weird.
0: Mm, he puts on a little commentary voice.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I wouldn't have known it was him unless you told me. Want to
0: maneuver big back body one two I no. chemist <laughs> anyone? Oh, I don't think so. He's 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 kind of got halfway between game show host yeah. and an auctioneer. Yeah, yeah, those are the, the, the two I think he um, would fall for.
1: <laughs> I noticed at one point Bret Hart grabbed a chair from out of the ring. And uh, it was purple and it had a WWE logo on. Yeah. And he threw it aside for a generic blue one. And I wanted to ask, yes. is that because the generic blue one was designed to be used in the ring and the other one wasn't?
0: Actually, almost, I honestly say it's the other way around, but the first one he picks up in that uh, is actually got a cushion on it. It's like a sitting down chair. Mm. And if you use that, obviously if you smack someone with like a cushion, one, the chair is heavy, two, it makes no noise. So Brett went with the regular blue one because that thwack noise that big ah he's been hit with a chair that's not possible with a regular padded chair right so the answer to your question yes in the sense of it's a special chair in that obviously it's a metal one so it makes noise but no that's not a special I can be hit in the head with that and that's fine that right. is a steel chair
2: Yeah. so
0: yeah and he they, they fairly level each other in this one Steve Austin eventually passing out from pain yeah And, like, it's amazing because the crowd are just...
1: He passes out in a pool of his own blood.
0: And the crowd are literally, like, frothing at the mouth. Brett has just become... Went from being the hero to being this bastard who just took it too far. And Steve goes from being this asshole, no no good Nick, to being just, wow, he's got so much courage. He'd pass out before he would quit. And then immediately now, he's just this badass who, like... Steve is never going to go out to the crowd and be like, God, thanks for coming here tonight, folks. Or, I love my fans. (laughs) High five a kid. He never said, like, he wanted to be a good guy or acted like, he would be like, I'm doing it for that little kid with cancer over there. Never. It was always about him, his business. I'm kicking someone's ass. You've pissed me off. (laughs) And that's what I love about it, is that Steve managed to kind of... Be a very different kind of hero. Yeah. But I still remember, even though Steve Austin would never pander to me as a kid, being like nine years old, and being like almost in tears because Steve was gonna lose. Yeah. Because I thought the the odds have been stacked against him. Because it felt that he was put in unfair situations, and I wanted to overcome them. Even (laughs) though he wasn't being like, I mean, geez, I fucking love it now. If I was eight or nine years old, John Cena basically telling me he's my best friend every week, like. (laughs) Hi there! I've sent you fucking fan mail because I'm the nicest man in the world. I, Steve was like a gruff dad who had to really earn his his <laughs> trust and respect.
1: So Steve Austin is lying there in a pool of his own blood, but he's not actually unconscious. He's uh, he, according selling. to the documentary, he he was selling. So Steve Austin was lying there in a pool of his own blood, and uh, but he revealed that in the documentary that he was he was selling. He was faking being unconscious. The blood is real, but he wasn't really unconscious. That he, was a
0: surprise to you, I think. Yeah. He, he, he was... I mean, at, was, God, at, that's
1: a lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has a right to be unconscious. I know you're complaining in a few
0: episodes about guys lying with their eyes open. I think yeah. Steve kind of he shows He's very you, convincing. That's how you
1: do it. Yeah. I... I mean, to be fair, the blood does help. Definitely. And um, he said he was sort of lying there listening to the crowd. And it was an amazing quote that he said in the documentary about it.
0: He was like the best orgasm I've ever had. If I had a cigarette, I would have smoked it.
1: I mean, that's just amazing.
0: (laughs) Who ain't fantasized about (laughs) orgasming on the mat? Hey-ho!
2: That's every wrestler's dream.
0: (laughs) But yeah, Steve, I think, was right to feel that way because, you know, the critics, the journalists, the, the people in the know would often say that as a match just as an in ring match but also as a story that was told this is like would be considered one of the greatest of all time it's
1: yeah it's been referred to as the most iconic but like his the the picture of him covered in blood in that submission mo- hold move whatever it's called
0: the sharpshooter
1: right is has been referred to as the most iconic shot of wrestling ever yeah so it's really nice to know that he was able to lie there and really take it in and appreciate and it I you ignore know at the time yeah this is the most important thing
0: and he knew as well because he goes into that match and crowd are kind of split a little bit. And at the end of that match, the crowd are chanting Austin loudly in unison yeah. and like so much so that the announcers are like, "These people have learned respect for this man tonight." Like, and that's just he set up for for life as just being this. Character now that's endeared into everyone's hearts and minds. Like,
1: so did WWF know that was going to happen in that match? I
0: think that was the general idea. Yes, how it was going to be executed, they didn't know. I know that at the time, the blood was a bit of a no-no, and I know that Vince was unhappy that the match was so violent. Because
1: obviously, he was on commentary, and he doesn't mention the blood.
0: He, because Jim Ross on commentary, uh, he goes off. He's like, "Fucking oh my god, Austin Jim and Vince." essentially sulks for a portion of this. At one point he's like, Well, this isn't typical of what we'd usually see on the (laughs) WWF. What? Entertaining, enthralling, dramatic action, Vince. I love
1: that. It's the best most iconic moment in wrestling history but Vince McMahon sulking (laughs) in a corner
0: (laughs) Stop playing with my toys (laughs) So, I mean, Austin straight away then, rocket strapped to his back. And unlike John Cena, where it seems it's very You know, manufactured and it's going to be this way. This feels very organic and Austin now just takes off like a house on fire. He gets these big name feuds, popularity through the roof, merchandise on top as well. The whole business, WWE, was a little shaky before this time. It was at one point it looked like they might even go out of business. Yeah,
1: in the documentary they said that this is what turned the ratings around. Like, mm. This is what made WWF more popular than WCW.
0: Definitely. I mean...
1: Which is amazing. It's
0: huge. I mean, to, to think, though, that if Steve Austin hadn't come along, that that company may not exist in the form it is in today. And it, that's very, very real. Like
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, not only the fact that the Attitude Era, possibly the most iconic era in wrestling history, wouldn't have existed, but also that... WWF wouldn't be the probably the leading company it is today. Yeah. Without Steve Austin. For them to
0: go from like. I think the funny story I always hear is like there was like a wrestler who was like like the champion like 1994, 1995. His name was Kevin Nash talking about the catering that they had then compared to what they have now. Now, if we watch Total Divas, you see when they're catering every food in the world they could want, it's all oh, there. Yeah. When Kevin Nash was champion like 94, 95, ham sandwiches. Oh. That's the shape the company was in. And Steve Austin, you know, he turned that ham sandwich into a fucking filet mignon in terms of catering <laughs> alone. But the analogy stands for actually business in 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 a long run as well. And Austin does so huge at this moment. You know, he's incredibly popular. A lot of more eyes are coming onto wrestling. More people are getting into wrestling. And Austin becomes like hot topic stuff, basically, water cooler stuff. You know, what did Steve do on, on TV this week?
1: So I love on the documentary, they interviewed Chris Jericho and.
0: <laughs> Resident scarf expert.
1: Yeah. And he compared Steve Austin to Johnny Depp in parts of the Caribbean.
0: <laughs> There's a pop culture reference that uh...
1: <laughs> will not age well.
0: <laughs> I think my dad made a similar comparison when oh, he. Said... <laughs> oh! <no.
1: laughs>
2: so...
0: But of course, it wouldn't be Steve Austin's career without another thing coming his way. And when finally all the stars are aligned, the machine is you know, you've got the promotional machine of WWE behind you. The fans love and respect you. You're having the greatest work of your career.
1: But you're Steve Austin, so it can't last.
0: No. And what happens to Steve, Joe?
1: He fights Owen Hart, who put him in a tombstone, which is. If I remember correctly, it's a move where you have the your opponent upside down. You hold mm-hmm. them around their waist,
0: and their heads like their pointing head, straight down, yeah, yeah,
1: pointing at the floor. And you kind of slam them down yeah. with your knees. Mm-hmm. Now, the idea being, obviously, wrestling is kind of staged, so it's safe.
0: And thank you God for saying "stage" instead of "fake" because well, it's know. not
1: fake. As exactly. you'll hear in a second. And
0: my father isn't fake. Isn't <laughs> it?
1: <laughs> so it's supposed to be that it. You hold the guy just high enough so that it doesn't actually break his back or his neck or whatever because, you know, it can kill them. Um, Unfortunately, Owen Hart didn't hold him correctly and he was slightly too low in his grip. And he ended up breaking Steve Austin's neck.
0: Austin's neck was basically, his head was peeking out between... Yeah, Owen's thighs, basically. The bottom of his knees. So instead yeah. of that kind of impact being absorbed by his ass, basically, which is what Owen oh, would be jumping down to make that big slam noise, mm. making on his thighs and his ass, Steve's head is peeking out.
1: And you can see it on the match, the moment where, oh, it's horrible. And in the documentary, they repeated it like five times you, in slow motion.
0: You actually, like, you know, you screamed. Yeah. And I mean, you. it's as if, you know, you've, I've, we've only been watching, like, goodly wrestlers. I mean, you've oh, watched...
1: I've seen Mick Foley. Yeah, hardcore. I mean, you got in via
0: Mick Foley, so you've seen a lot of hardcore yeah. stuff. And this, I, you were shocked.
1: Well, this is, I mean... The Make Funny Stuff, which was accidental, always did quite upset me. But yeah, the reason this is so shocking is because it's completely unintentional. He didn't think that was going to happen. And Austin's happen.
0: description of it, which is like, it sounds like a gong is going off, which means his head's yeah. been rattled, and then he can't feel anything. Right. So he,
1: yeah, he says that he couldn't feel anything in his body at all. He, his body was completely numb below his neck. And he still... Managed to not only move, which has an amazing feat in itself, because he, by all rights, could have been lying on the floor not moving at all. Mm. He managed to get Owen Hart in a pin.
0: If you watch the footage of Steve crawling, he says he had like limited, like it's some semblance of feeling in like his elbows. And if you watch him, he's literally pitching his elbows into the mat and dragging himself Jesus by his either like he crawls Christ. on his elbows and then literally hooks it over just to make Owen fall on his back. And people were like, oh, why wouldn't they stop the match and finish it off and all that and call it off someone's hurt? Because it's wrestling, of course. The stipulation of the match was that if Steve lost, he had to kiss Owen's ass. So there was no way that match could end unless Steve won. So it was like, you know, because the stipulations of it, it never would have worked. He knew long-term that obviously... For him to have any legitimacy and stuff... They just had to finish this up and he had to win... Oh right... So that was kind of... What was running through his head during that moment... And yeah it's fucking... It's horrible to see that like... He... He's... Neck is broken... Yeah... And this isn't like kind of... He's had a few good years under his belt... Okay this is six months... After that big Wrestlemania match we're talking about... He had six months... And then... He broke his neck...
1: I mean I, I, I was impressed when... This week... Seth Rollins broke John Cena's nose, and John Cena carried on wrestling even though his face is like properly all over the rest of his face. Loads now. of
0: kids hastily changing their Make-a-Wish thing so they don't oh. so they don't have to meet a monster. Before.
1: Oh. <laughs> to be fair, I'm sure WWE have the best facial reconstructive surgeons. Just put a little paper mask world. over him like, hey, kid! I'm sure his nose will look incredible <laughs> if he chooses to get it fixed. Um... But that's nothing compared to fucking wrestling getting someone broken in neck. a pin with a broken neck and no feeling in your body except in your elbows. I mean, wow.
0: And it's an awful situation as well, because you're obviously thinking he may not be able to walk again and we're kind of we've hitched our or wagon to this to this horse, if you know what I mean. And it's kinda of like you get the two things which is one, it's like shit, he may not be able to walk again and two, it's like this big turnaround, this Whole supposed super run, we can all feel these people want to give us money for this guy that's gone now. And Steve was spent a number of months like he was away, you know, he had a, his neck in a brace and stuff like that. And they basically found a way for him to come back, he was rehabbing, he didn't have surgery.
1: Yeah, because you were saying how he at WWE have basically the best surgeons ever, the best. Like doctors and everything. Yeah, definitely. Was that still the case back then? Oh yeah,
0: they going back until the mid early and mid nineties. WWE would have held like, you know, some of the best physicians in the world, basically on retainer, like that. They work with them. That like any big sports organization has like top doctors to see their athletes. Right. They would have that, and Steve was seen by like specialist spine and neck people who told him that he could rehab it. But he would have to have surgery. If he had surgery, he'd be out for around a year. Oh, no. So the call that Steve made was that he was going to intensively rehab it without surgery.
1: Sorry, what does rehab it mean? Just
0: kind of like physio, weightlifting, exercises. Yikes. So try, wearing a neck brace a lot of the time, just trying to heal up as much as possible. And he didn't have the surgery. He put it off because he knew... That the money was on the table basically And oh. they had to strike while the iron was hot And this works really well though Because you end up having a period of a few months Where Steve can't wrestle right? But he's good enough to show up on the show And then we just get some of the chaos starting With Steve Austin coming out He's pissed off Why is he pissed off? Because he broke his neck and he's come back and they won't let him wrestle. That's the storyline. So clever. And you see, like, for the first time, Vince McMahon admits to being the boss. So you have Vince McMahon kind of going, Oh, Mr. Austin, we don't particularly want you to end up in a wheelchair. We're a caring organization. And Steve would come out in a wheelchair going, Who wants to see a wheelchair match? (laughs) And he would do his finishing move on announcers. He would run in the middle of matches when other wrestlers were wrestling and Steve would just come in cause chaos Because he was pissed off. They wouldn't let him wrestle. And again, it was paying off real life stuff. He was pissed off because he wanted to wrestle. And they made that a storyline. And every week the fans were tuning in to see... Yeah. What Steve would do because he was pissed off because he couldn't wrestle. I
1: thought it was really interesting you were saying about how it's the first time that Vince McMahon admitted he was the boss. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's something we'll go into detail in his own episode. Mm-hmm. But is that because of Steve Austin, then, that that happened?
0: Yeah, basically. Because they were kind of blurring the lines so much, they always would have had an on-screen owner of the company or whatever. Vince, who everyone knew was the owner, only acted as the commentator. But once... There's other reasons for it, but one of the main reasons was because of Steve now kind of... Being this anti-authority against the establishment. Well, the fans knew Vince was the was the was the real owner, so they had Steve and Vince kind of start facing off.
1: Jesus.
0: It's a very different Vince McMahon to the one we all know now. He was more of soft spoken. But you have things happening then, like Vince getting the stunner, which is Steve's finishing move, in Madison Square Garden, which is like regarded as one of the most important moments ever, because it ushered in this era of Austin and McMahon, that's what it was gonna be now. Because Austin didn't like being, didn't like Vince working for him and Vince didn't like that this guy was so popular who was so crude and crass and against everything the company was meant to be. It was perfect.
1: Do you know what I really want? I want a like a, a nice Christmas time movie. It's a wonderful life, right? Only Steve Austin was never born. And it's the <laughs> WWE now without any of his influence. Like, what would it be like? Oh, Ooh, it's yeah. a terrible dark place. And, and it's so it. different without, I mean, without Vince McMahon being, without that kind of authority figure yeah. within wrestling. Because that became like... That's such an integral partner. A trope.
0: The reason why at the moment on wrestling, if you turn on, there are... Guys in charge,
1: and the main yeah the main bad guys are the authority, and it's
0: because of Vince, which is because of Steve. And it's, it's because it's it's so natural, and that's it set in line a lot of essentially the rules of wrestling TV for a long time to come. Be that be authority figures against the normal guys, be that the McMahon's being on TV. You know, if there wasn't Steve Austin, Vince would have been on TV. And therefore Stephanie wouldn't have been on TV. Yeah. Or her brother Shane, you know, or her, his wife Linda. All these people came on TV because, one way or another, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that's so amazing. Oh. And we get into here now, the stuff as Steve starts to come back in, uh, in into, into wrestling. And this is the real moment that turns it around, which is Steve wins the championship in a match where Mike Tyson... <laughs> Vince McMahon dips his hands into his big fucking deep pockets and pays money to Mike Tyson. And that really solidifies Steve Austin as kind of like this pop culture icon. It's the fucking 90s, and Steve Austin and Mike Tyson are raising each other's hands. You know it's a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on uh on Mr. Tyson?
1: I don't know anything about Mike Tyson. That would make a less interesting podcast, I True. think, than How To Wrestling. How To Mike Tyson. But I, I know him by name. I know he's a big... Um, boxing
0: legend, basically. personality legend,
1: yeah. famous man.
0: Bit someone's ear off.
1: Jo- what? Jesus.
0: Convicted of crimes. What? Yeah.
1: Okay, I didn't know that. I just knew he was a that, famous That's a separate man.
0: trip to Wikipedia for you, I think, hon. Yeah.
1: Next week on what I learned out of wrestling. <laughs> um but it's yeah, I know he I know enough about him to know he's very, very, very famous. And again, that turned the ratings around, didn't it? It again. really impacted. And
0: it was like Austin's start fight with Tyson because Tyson was brought in by Vince. And again, Vince has it's like, oh, you ruined it. And people are going nuts because it's like, oh, Austin ruined Vince's thing. And you know it's not real, but it just, it was presented so realistically. Like people watching it were like, oh, Mike Tyson's meant to come out just for a few moments with Vince and say how much he's a fan. Steve Austin's ruining it. Oh, my God. And it just made it unpredictable.
1: Was this the first time a celebrity came on the show and then got involved in the actual wrestling itself?
0: No, no. I think that has always been kind of part of Vince McMahon's way. The first WrestleMania, for instance, had hulk hogan teaming with mr t to take on right. roddy piper and, and bob Borton. so vince has always known the power of celebrities and has always relied on them but in terms of i mean there's dipping your hands in your pockets and then there's forking out and vince mcmahon this is to put in perspective not to get in too much about the specifics and details but just to give a little bit of perspective the months before Mike Tyson appeared on Raw to do this thing with Vince and Austin, which was one of the biggest ratings they'd ever done, it was huge. And it really, it, the company never went down from that. It kind of, that was its launching point in this period of time. But the months before that, the network was actually considering cancelling Jeez. WWF yeah. Raw. So they were actually, that's how close to the brink they were.
1: And after Steve fought Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson, by the way, who, according to the documentary, was well up for this whole oh, thing. Oh, he loves
0: wrestling. yeah. Loves
1: wrestling, he's a massive fan. Big dork. But it was like reported on like national news oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all over the country. I mean, amazing exposure for them. Because Tyson sure.
0: was this controversial figure, yeah. people knew who Austin was, and it was just, yeah. And of course, what was coming up a few months later... WrestleMania, which is the biggest mm. show of the year. See, Joe does marketing and stuff, so anytime I kind of <laughs> tell her these kind of mini long-term ideas, I bet you think Vince <laughs> McMahon is the, uh, the biggest fucking genius ever. I
1: mean, he's no Triple H, but I'm uh, I'm a fan. Yeah.
0: Just so you know, the man who orchestrated Steve Austin, Mike Tyson, WrestleMania also concocted Baron von Ruthless.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he's it's weird. He's got like so many skills in one area, and then. Mm.
0: names aren't one of them (laughs) no (laughs) taste
1: but it started a feud between Steve Austin and Vince McMahon Mm -hmm. which I find really interesting of kind of like the idea of representing the working man versus the boss it's something everyone can identify with
0: and again yeah everyone not just
1: yeah
0: I think a lot of people misconstrue That this was just like a bunch of fucking guys in a bar, rednecks, farmers, truckers kind of going, yeah, Steve Austin's taking down that blue blood. The real people I think they connected with was, one, college students who were like, woo, Steve Austin is awesome. That was huge. And two as well, like middle-aged, 30-something, white-collar workers working in middle fucking management, dead-end job, shitty boss. They ain't rednecks, but good lord, they fucking properly love Steve Austin taking care of business with their boss because they were like hell yeah and all of a sudden you've got white middle-class America working-class America everyone except billionaires love Steve Austin so these are coming up these segments these are ones which were tweeted in en masse to um, at how to wrestling thank you everyone for, for sending these in some absolute gold here a lot of the stuff Joe had seen before from my kind of
1: well not a lot I'd say less than half I'd seen before. Oh
0: okay that's good but I mean the general theme though definitely of Steve Austin and Vince McMahon and vehicles yeah led to a lot of enjoyment and this end of things. Joe what were some of the highlights from this collection.
1: Let's see, we've got Steve Austin driving a Zamboni. What? Is,
0: a Zamboni? Is I only word? know what it is because I watched Steve Austin drive one of That's the only I reason kid.
1: I know what it is. I remember really you first showed me that video and you were like, oh, he drives a Zamboni. I was like, what the fuck is and a And Steve Zamboni? Austin drives a
0: big cube to the...
1: <laughs> <laughs> he could have been driving a giant banana for a I know. I don't know what a Zamboni is. But it's a... it's like an...
0: These are for cleaning the ice. Yeah. And, uh, it's like a big ice. square ice truck thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: They clean the ice on like hockey rinks. And, and Austin
0: drives us to the ring to jump over the ropes and beat up Vince McMahon. Yeah. Amazing. Crowd lose their shit.
1: Incredible. Another good one. Uh, that one time. Ha ha ha. Funny old Steve Austin, eh? Mm, he held a gun to Vince McMahon's head and made him pee his pants. Did he actually pee his pants?
0: I think no, and knowing Vince, I'm going to say yes, but it wouldn't uh. surprise me if he had an apparatus. But I can imagine
1: he could have done. I imagine him going, you know what? Nah, I don't need it.
0: Well, that's it. I imagine this is how I have my head cannon for this. The boys in R and D make the contraption and go out <laughs> and are about to affix it to Vince. He goes, God damn it, get that. I'm shoot pissing in that ring. You know, <laughs> that he's really all up for it, you know?
1: So that was a good one.
0: Well, of course as well. He didn't actually pull a real gun on him. It said bang, bang, 316 on Oh, us. yeah. And then, of course, Vince peeing himself and Austin going, McMahon 316 says I just pissed my pants.
1: <laughs> Another favourite. So... Vince McMahon was in hospital, presumably put there by Steve Austin. Actually,
0: by the Undertaker in Kane.
1: Oh, really? Okay. But
0: it was because he wanted them to protect him from Steve Austin. <laughs> and they didn't. And then he got upset and gave them the finger. And they saw him. And then they broke his leg.
1: Jesus. <laughs> so Vince McMahon's in hospital, talking to a nurse. And uh, then Steve comes in in disguise as a doctor with a i Oh, take master. him here, nurse. Yeah. <laughs> And he hits him with a steel bedpan, which I'd seen the clip. This is one of the ones you showed me way, way, way back. So I'd seen this before. But in the documentary, Steve Austin explains that the bedpan was actually steel. Like it wasn't a fake.
0: Oh, like, yeah, it was a real.
1: It's a shoot. Yeah. Is that the right way to yep. use that shoot word? shoot means real real shoot bedpan and apparently he tested it on his own head beforehand so he wouldn't hurt Vince McMahon much and also get a really good noise out of it so he was there off the set side of the set just banging it against his head <laughs> trying to find as he calls it the sweet spot of a steel, solid steel bedpan and he
0: finds that sweet spot I tell you because he bonks him good and he, proper yeah
1: he properly hits Vince McMahon over the head with it
0: Vince like goes cross-eyed the second he gets hit it's <laughs> fucking incredible
1: Another great moment is uh, Steve Austin pouring cement into Vince McMahon's Corvette.
0: I love that. He fills it up all the way with cement. Vince drove himself in his own Corvette because he was paranoid that Steve was going to destroy his limo. So he drove drove himself there. And Austin being Austin showed up, yeah, in a cement truck, which has my favorite Vince McMahon reaction line ever for Steve Austin, Jape, which is, he's driving a cement truck. (laughs) Which I kind of always wish that happened to me at like a graduation or something like that. Like a wacky kind of... But yeah, he fills it up with cement and it literally pops the windows. It's incredible a, moment. It's an
1: incredible sight. I wish I'd seen it on uh, the Slow Mo Guys YouTube channel or something.
0: <laughs> also as well I like the fact that Steve Austin... Is very fucking handy at driving and operating heavy machinery. He
1: must have an extended like expert license. You have to have proper licenses to drive these things.
0: Well, he he used to work like on docks and stuff like that, really? doing this kind of stuff. The one time I remember was that he was in a buried alive match with the Undertaker, which meant that he had to bury his opponent alive under.
1: Well, that's not a thing. Under a
0: big thing of earth. No, it's true. That is the, that is the thing, honey. Okay, you need to accept that and, and move on
1: <laughs> When's the episode on The Buried alive? history of Wrestlers burying other wrestlers alive
0: But um, the guy There was like a big huge dump truck A big JCB thing which was like Meant to knock over the dirt And the guy driving it couldn't do it And Steve literally, because it was on pay per view Was like, for fuck's sake, he got him out And he did it himself
1: <laughs> Jesus, Because
0: he's a working man He's wow. a labourer Another good one as well is the infamous beer truck and hose. That's so good. Steve Austin coming out in a giant Coors Light truck, and of course, all Coors Light trucks have hoses which can disperse the beer for ready access. I
1: just think it's a customized like Steve Austin truck where he just has the hose for his own personal consumption. <laughs> yeah,
0: because he does. He sprays it on them, and then he kind of puts a little spray in his would One he does. for you, two for me. Give himself
1: a little shower.
0: Yeah. Steve Uh. Austin in vehicles, I mean, there's another one which he had, which was a giant limousine on top of monster truck wheels, which was called the Eliminator.
2: Wow.
0: So, I mean, Steve Austin vehicles is always a good time. Right. When I was playing Saints Row 4 with Adam from the Attitude Era podcast, one of the first things which we did was make a shockingly accurate stone called Steve Austin (laughs) and then put him in a little, you could drive around this little uh, UFO thing. Flying around, i through with you, Vince, not by a long shot. You know, a little UFO. It just works because it's Steve Austin. I want to see Steve Austin in a push bike go after Vince McMahon. You know, or Steve Austin in one of those swan boats, go to get you, Vince. I'm gonna splash your ass. You know, it would work. The problem though around this time is that even though Austin is running to the moon, he's become champion several times. He's very much the top guy. All the while. He's putting off this big albatross around his neck. Well,
1: of course, he's been wrestling all this time with a yeah. broken neck.
0: Yeah, and he's he's not been well. He's had to adopt his style. He's doing more kind of like the brawling stuff like we mentioned. And more of a focus on the kicks and the punches. I don't think it, it could only work because it's Steve and he's so believable with his stuff. Mm-hmm. The reliance on those kind of simplistic moves. But he's hurt all this time. And this is the period where Steve made you know the money. This is where all the box office records were broken every pay-per-view they broke the record of the previous one you know he was breaking merchandise records video games everything you could think of home video every record there was to be broken steve broke it during this time all the while he didn't have a, a functioning neck
1: that's so mad
0: so he has to eventually they decided that he had to get surgery to fix it and they were fortunate that they were in a way where you had the rock who was also incredibly popular at the time you had Mick Foley there, very popular. Triple H was coming up as like a big bad guy. So Austin was able to step away towards the end of 1999. And for most of 2000, he was gone to get his neck surgery and get a fix. And so, the way
1: they did that in, in kayfabe, yeah. which is the word for canon. If it were real. The word for if it were real. He got ran over by a car. Yeah. Which is quite a clever way to get him out of it.
0: It was. Yeah, they wrote him out. And the whole idea then was that when Austin came back, he had this big storyline of who ran my ass over, you know? All of which is documented to a hilarious degree in the Anishiro podcast in the period of nineteen ninety nine to 2000, which we been doing at the moment. But yeah, uh, that is a, a fun storyline, a very creative way to get rid of Steve. And because, well, Steve was sitting at home with his neck brace, you know, uh, watching the show basically as he wasn't a part of it anymore. Yeah. All of us as fans were kind of going, oh, he got ran over. But all of us knew deep down it was that... He was getting surgery. He's getting surgery. He's hurt. And I was doubtful at the time thinking that he wasn't going to come back.
1: Well, it sounded from the documentary that he was doubtful too, that he was going to get asked back. Because he mentions that Vince... He specifically says that Vince called him and asked him to come back. So I think because he was so used to, at this point, being constantly downtrodden and every step of the way he seems to be... You know, life is made very hard for it Steve Austin. He seems to be held back by like human Everyone. and
0: inhuman forces yeah, yeah,
1: constantly at every turn. Every time he gets injured, he gets fired or let go or changes his personality or something. But no, Vince asked him to come back.
0: So Steve Austin does come back in late 2000 and into early 2001. Steve Austin finds himself once again main eventing at Wrestlemania with a huge successful return and also with the fans really back on his side it was almost as if he hadn't left he still seemed to wrestle the same style the same pace he didn't seem impaired by this injury anymore
1: in the documentary they mention about the fact that because Steve Austin was obviously a good guy and The Rock was also a good guy didn't really work having them both be good guys at the same time and both Mm. be the kind of in with the face of the company.
0: Yeah, because you can only have one number yeah. one guy. That was the the kind of the, the thinking at the time. So so we have these two facing off at WrestleMania 17, 2001 This WrestleMania is considered to be a number of things very important. Number one, it's often considered to be the best just the best WrestleMania ever. Most successful, most critically acclaimed WrestleMania kind of of all time was how it's viewed. And also it's important as well because it does signify the end of the Attitude Era, which is that hot streak, that incredibly successful period that was, you know, forefronted by Steve Austin. The Rock and Austin still massive stars, but this match we have going in, good guy versus good guy, the idea being at the end that someone's going to become bad guy, and that someone ends up being, or boy, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, I don't know, what do you think about this? I mean, watching this match... Obviously, incredibly fast paced encounter between the two. Uh, for me, it's one of my favourite matches of all time. I
1: loved it. I absolutely adored it. I mean, I love Steve Austin and I love The Rock. And as well, it had Paul Heyman on commentary, who yeah. is my favourite person to be on commentary, I think. Yes. I mean, so I don't know much good. about them, but he's just amazing. I wish he could be. Brock Lesnar's manager and also... On commentary. Permanent commentary. Give him a headset at ringside. And also run his own wrestling company. (laughs) Also, like, be my friend. I just love him so much. He's my favourite person. So he's on commentary, which makes it incredibly entertaining anyway. I mean, it could probably could have been a shit match and he'd still make it awesome.
0: It's exhilarating stuff, though. They kind of... What about this match is that there's no kind of stare down, lock up. They literally start the match 100 miles an hour Yeah. running off those ropes so fast, just beating the crap out of each other. I love it. A lot of blood in this match.
1: That's the thing, because at this point, you said it's the end of the Mm SQDR, kind of, and bleeding was fine at this point. Oh, yeah. Fine, encouraged, encouraged, I would say,
0: yeah. It would be strange to have a main event match that didn't end at this period, They didn't have like blood.
1: That's so weird. It's
0: so weird. It was a big part of it. I think they became over reliant on it. If I'm honest, yeah,
1: it's something that should be saved for. I mean, they don't have much special moments.
0: Yeah, Mm. but it felt special here. This moment, anyway. Yeah, I mean, you were saying
1: that The Rock is a bit rubbish at bleeding. A little bit. He started off a bit, a bit crap at bleeding in this match, but it it kind of the the blood started to flow a bit later on. Steve Austin, however.
0: Profuse bleeder.
1: Yeah, profuse bleeding from the very beginning. There's much. actually a, a
0: wrestling term which I can, I can, um, I can give you now. If you ever want to describe someone who is bleeding profusely like yeah. that, you can say that they're wearing a crimson mask. That's Why a, would
1: I say that? Because
0: that's how they like to say. Can it you imagine in me
1: saying that? Oh yes, that Steve Austin is wearing a crimson mask
0: and a violet rosetta. <laughs>
1: it just sounds ridiculous coming from me, a slightly posh English woman. <laughs> And it was at this point I noticed that Steve Austin has a tattoo, which I thought was a nice flower. (laughs) You think he's so like effeminate? (laughs) I think I projected this really lovely, touching, soft personality onto him. Well. Maybe. I don't know him, so I'm not going to... Although I may project flowers onto his body.
0: It is actually just cold-hearted Texas. It was
1: just Texas, yeah. The shape of Texas on his on his body.
0: So the big twist in this match comes, these two obviously firing up against each other, is when Austin's arch-enemy, Vince McMahon, makes an appearance, coming out, ends up aiding Stone Cold Steve Austin in front of his hometown fans in Texas... And I can tell you right in this very second, when Steve Austin sold his soul to the devil himself in 2001 and formed an alliance with Vince McMahon in the end of this match, I I stayed up to watch this in boarding school, and there was a a pin could have dropped. We were absolutely gobsmacked. It was so shocking to see Steve Austin, you know, number one, be a bad guy. That just seemed unfathomable. You didn't want to hate this guy. And number two... To see him with Vince as well, which was like completely against his character. And when we say the end of the Attitude Era, The Rock goes away to make movies after this match for a period of time. Steve Austin's a bad guy. That is one of the reasons why that hot streak of wrestling ended. Wow. Was because fans did not want to see evil Steve Austin. And you had Steve Austin just killing people. He would, You know, he would hit, like, female wrestlers. He'd beat the shit out of people with chairs. He would do everything. he bet up Jim Ross. Like, they had this segment where Jim Ross is like, I've lost my best friend. I stepped beside you in the hospital. And he beat him up and he made him bleed. They did everything they could to make us hate Steve Austin. But at the end of the day, all it did was make us go, it's a bit of a shame Steve Austin's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Hmm, and it really, I mean, for me... And a lot of people I knew, we just kind of went along with it. And that's not to say wrestling was never fun afterwards, it was. But I know, maybe if there was ten of my friends who watched wrestling when we were kids, seven of them stopped because of this moment.
2: Wow.
0: And that just shows you, again, how successful Steve was, because he was such an endearing, beloved character, that a perceived mishandling of his character is enough to make someone say, I'm not watching this show ever again.
1: Why did they decide to make him turn heel then if The Rock was going to go off and make movies?
0: I think the idea was that The Rock would be back eventually. Right. And also the idea was that Steve wanted to do it and him wanting to do it played a big factor in that. He wanted to try something new. Steve was always and is always considered to be someone who was a little paranoid. For good reason or not, a little paranoid about A, either growing stale or B, about... His position in the company and him not being as popular as he thinks he should be. It was said to be that he was quite a lonesome figure during his very successful run. And I think one of the reasons why Steve wanted to become a bad guy was that he was worried that he would be perceived as being stale.
1: Right. Kind of like what John Cena is going through at the moment. Yeah,
0: exactly what John Cena is going through at the moment. I don't think Steve Austin could have lived with half the crowd saying, let's go Austin. Austin sucks. I don't think he could have done that.
1: But he ended up doing worse than that by turning yeah. heel.
0: And his he heel run was leaving. was pretty horrible. I mean, we did get some really fun comedy. I think we watched a bit of that comedy uh, where he becomes Vince's friend. Yes. We watched him playing the guitar. What did you think of uh, those segments?
1: Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. And he's very funny, isn't he? He's mm. so articulate and... He's, his timing is perfect. He's he,
0: sneakily funny. He is.
1: Yeah, he doesn't look like a funny person at all. And as well, because I only... Before doing the sort of the research for this episode and the, the odd clip you had shown me, I only really knew him from his podcast.
0: And his humour on the podcast <laughs> is a little bit different from his on-air humour here. Yeah, really.
1: definitely. But he showed in a couple of the clips that we watched that he can actually be very, very, very funny.
0: Oh, yeah, like the bit where he's playing guitar. Yeah. Playing kumbaya for Vince... Or the bit where he's wearing the big cowboy hat and Kurt Angle comes in, and he's got a little cowboy hat. It's just, or where he's my favorite one is where he's hugging, he's hugging Vince, and then the camera turns around, and you can see he's just got this really vacant, serious look on his face as he's doing this. <laughs> cracks me up all the time.
1: But back to the to the match where Steve Austin turns heel, I just wanted to say, obviously Steve Austin teams up with Vince McMahon, yeah, and Vince like hits the Rock with a chair. While, while Steve Austin holds him back, Steve obviously wins. Jim Ross, his reaction here is golden because Jim Ross is like pretty much in love with Steve Austin. He's been there every step of the way, all through the documentary. Shut by that
0: man's hospital bed.
1: Every time. I cooked
0: that man dinner. Every
1: time Steve Austin got injured or fired or anything like that, Jim Ross was always there for him. And like they obviously have a very close friendship and it's something beautiful, I feel, that they have. And Jim Ross said, as Steve Austin was shaking hands with Vince McMahon, that Stone Cold is shaking hands with Satan himself. (laughs) He then goes on to say, son of a bitch, over and over and over again, until he says... Might as well urinate on the rock. Yeah, yeah he, he was, might as well. Yeah, he's
0: very upset. Obviously. Betraying
1: the rock by teaming up with Vince McMahon is the same as urinating on him. Basically, you may as well just do that.
0: Honestly, the finish would have been a lot more memorable, and it was already memorable if Austin and Vince whipped out their dicks. Like, eh. Oh, yes, <laughs> it's on him. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, that was. Um, I mean, yeah, Jim Ross. I think instrumental in Steve Austin's career. I think always has just been that yeah. kind of. I when I envision steve austin doing wacky shit in my head as jim ross is now cheering him it, on cheering him you know that's
1: single tear rolling down his eye
0: sweating profusely <laughs> when he talks about austin shaking hands with sadem he can only, it can only be described as an orgasm of sadness and woe yes it's like if the moment that that was happening all the world's problems happened to you at once Aww. that's the, how sad it was
1: poor jim ross
0: Okay, so there's one other very important thing that happened, obviously during Austin's kind of comedic run here, where he's kind of he's been injured again, so we had to kind of wrestle a little bit less, rely more on talking, and he, depending on who you ask, this is either the most ingenious thing or a fucking curse which has ruined all wrestling promos and interviews and everything regarding fan interaction ever since. We're talking about what?
1: <laughs> what?
0: What? what 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 What? okay what if you're a fan and you watch a show and anyone in the ring other than like i don't know the top 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 guys and even still that happens every time they take a break in what they're saying a small sometimes a large portion of the crowd will go what (laughs) as in Brock Lesnar, I've returned after 17 months to exact my revenge. What? (laughs) I'm a new character and I demand to be taken seriously. What? Now, when Austin did it, I thought it was very funny. We watched some of the what promos. Yeah. What do you think of the what stuff that? He I did? loved
1: it, but I can see that people would get so annoyed.
0: It's like if you ha- you and your friends have an awesome joke, and then you see some prick over there doing your joke. Yeah, it's like no, that's not for you. That's for for us actually. That's, yeah, that's our joke. Copyright, you know. That's what it feels like with would Steve Austin and other people do do what because he has me in tears with some of the what stuff. You're the one li- we
1: watched, I don't know who it was talking to or even what it was about really. Except that it involved drinking beer and having a bar fight. Yeah. But it was awesome. And so it was you were a, laughing your head off. It was yeah. a great story. And the way he played on the audience saying what and him kind of repeating that, I mean, I can't really do it justice by explaining it. So. He said what?
0: What? That's what he said. What? He said what? <laughs> what? What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny.
0: And then Ridzi started off as meant to be because he was this kind of unhinged bad guy. He was like, kind of like. He was really tense all the fucking time. No one could figure him out. And he'd be like, Your name is Hugh Morris. What? Is that funny? What? Is that humorous? What? You know, and he'd be really intimidating, but then it just became this kind of.
1: It's so aggressive and yet really funny.
0: I drank a beer. What? Two beers. What? Three beers. What? Four beers. What a margarita. What a glass of red wine. You know, <laughs> he, he he would just and most of it's improv, just on the top of his head. It's amazing. But it has impacted as much fun as that period was in two thousand and two when he did it. Wow. Here we are, fourteen years later, or nearabouts, and it's really just can ruin a show.
1: Right, I mean, I hadn't really heard it, or if I have, I didn't realize that's what they were. I hope now
0: it's not one of these things that since I've pointed it out to you. Oh,
1: am I going to notice? It? It's going to really. It's put probably going to notice you if this podcast is cancelled next week. Yeah, that's why.
0: This is kind of like me pointing out like a very small red light above yeah. the cinema screen, or kind of like you know Sorry, you're not going to enjoy the movie now, folks. I've gone off wrestling. <laughs> but yeah, what around this time? However, though, things start kind of fizzling for a number of reasons wrestling less popular obviously we mentioned that that downturn that happened after the attitude era and honestly there didn't seem too much to do for for austin he'd become good guy again he wasn't the top guy they brought in a bunch of other people it felt like his wheels were spinning like the wrestlemania after that big one we just talked about he didn't really have a very important match he just wrestled someone you know and for steve who was about being the best It was kind of unacceptable for him and he kind of fell into something of a dark place at this time. He took his ball and went home is the uh, the much, 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 much used phrase to describe this. He was basically meant to, on TV, lose a match against this up-and-coming wrestler, a guy called Brock Lesnar, who we'll be talking about obviously in his own episode. And because it was just, you know, unannounced, random match on TV, he was really insulted by this fact because he thought that he's obviously a big star if he wants to wrestle this up-and-comer and lose to him, surely they should, you know, make a lot of ads, build up to it, maybe make some money out of it. Yeah, he was
1: saying on the documentary, I mean, he really thought the marketing around this was stupid. Because they, they were had thrown this... it away for yeah, free. Yeah, that's the thing. They had this big name guy up against, a, at the time, not really anyone. Like an
0: up-and-comer though. Yeah, up-and-comer,
1: yeah. but, but unannounced. Yeah, The no silly. promotional stuff beforehand. And he was saying, they're just uh, pissing it away, basically. And I'm, don't blame him for being really angry about that.
0: And he he ended up leaving, and he was gone from the company for for just over a year, I believe it was. And I'll be honest, the way you've described it, and the way we know it now, that ain't how they described it when it happened. Really, you had Vince McMahon breaking character on screen, going, "Steve Austin needs to apologize to every one of you fans for betraying your trust." Jesus. And, like, The Rock coming out and doing a promo saying, you know, we don't need Steve Austin, we never needed him, that kind of thing. Because they were of the opinion that he's gone, we have to move on, we can't hang up on this, keep this fucking steam engine going. So they really did just kind of abandon them God. after this period.
1: I mean, I know in the documentary he said it was the one thing in his life he regrets yeah. doing. He really regrets the fact that he he left. You right can then. see why. But I think it's kind of a good thing.
0: I think it was good that he stood his ground. he could have
1: vanished into obscurity very easily, I think, if he'd just gone with it.
0: I think that what this all came down to was that no one really wanted to admit around this time or have the conversation, which is, how many many years do you have left? How many matches do you have left? Because Steve leaves around this time and he's, you know, drinking lots, apparently, pain pills, stuff like that, you know, and... It is kind of a question of, you think you probably need this break? And by the time he comes back, we're talking about his last match then, really.
1: But I mean, when you've got wrestlers like Ryback and The Big Show, who've been wrestling for a while, um, who didn't have such dramatic breaks in their career, at least not to my knowledge, I don't know. I think it's kind of a good thing, because obviously he's a huge personality, he's very famous, and he could have so easily have... Just become another guy, just another Ryback or Big Show or something like that. His
0: wrestling fans have a very short memory, yeah. And, and if he
1: became kind of then familiarized with that kind of
0: mediocrity, basically, yeah. Because I mean, you're only you only kind of remembered for your, your last few matches yeah. or whatever. And he had such a big, amazing, successful run that if he didn't just kind of yeah fade down into obscurity, that's what he would have been remembered for. Yeah. It would have been, hey, remember Steve Austin? He was really successful, and then.
1: He could have had a terrible injury, a minor match against someone who's just an up-and-coming wrestler who then they could have used as their launching point for their successful wrestling career and it would be the end of Steve Austin and you'd yeah. nothing more from him ever. Uh, that
0: has happened with wrestlers as well then where they kind of have held on a little bit too long and yeah. then they kind of, that's it, their career's over, no fanfare, just sorry.
1: It's so sad. So I actually think even though he regrets it, I think it was a, kind of a good thing for him to do.
0: Yeah, I think it was like a really old school response, you know, kind of... My principal's number... priorities. Yeah. The reality of it was relitigation. A lot of and both sides lost lots of money. Well, I mean, because was... they weren't selling Steve Austin T-shirts during no, that period, you know.
1: But I mean, he was looking at it for number one, and after the amount of shit he's gone through in his career, yeah. I can completely see why he might think, right, this is my only option.
0: I think after going on a little mini journey career yeah. here, as we have, I what think did it he really sense. have in the
1: back of his mind? There, I'm sure he was thinking, this is it, yeah. you know.
0: Definitely. So we come then to Steve's last match. He returns, he apologizes to Vince, fridges are mended, and it's set up that he's going to have kind of one last big match. Now, as fans at the time didn't know it, but it was pretty much known amongst all the wrestlers and Steve himself, most importantly, that his match then at WrestleMania 19 against The Rock the following year was going to be his final and his retirement match. And it wasn't leading up to this that the fans were kind of going, I'm going to, if I lose this match, I retire. Didn't say anything It was just another You know I want to kick your ass You want to kick my ass We've been rivals this whole time Great great match Great send off to Steve Steve finally loses to The Rock Kind of in this big showdown And has a really sweet moment at the end Steve and Rock Share a little tender embrace of sorts
1: The Rock tells Austin that he loves him Aww And Steve says it back Aww. You see, that's the thing. I think Steve Austin is just one of those, you get them occasionally, people that just fall in love with them, you know? <laughs> and I think Steve is very lovable. The fact Have you that got a little crush? I've got a crush on Steve. Do I? Yeah. He's got a
0: podcast, let it go, you know? Jeez. Who's the better podcast? I'm i mean just We saying. were
1: higher up in the charts than him. <laughs> so. But, um, no, I mean, Jim Ross was kind of in love with him, and you got that, that guy who was in the Hollywood Pillman, yeah. Pillman, The Rock. Yeah, it's true. I think everyone's got a little crush on Steve Austin.
0: Steve has an amazing run in this... uh, Has an amazing encounter with The Rock in this match. But one thing which is really shocking and kind of a real kind of sad... In a way, it's a sad note to kind of... Was almost if this match was kind of... If someone turns and gone. yeah, this really has to be your last match. Because before having this match...
1: Like the night before. The night
0: before, Steve literally passed out in a hotel and had to be taken to the hospital. And I'm talking... Hours before bell time, Steve Austin is in a hospital getting fluid put into him.
1: God, that's so scary.
0: So I think he took that. He's never wrestled since.
1: He said he like, he described it in the documentary saying that like, it's just his body started to shut down and he was in a hotel corridor or something, a hallway, yeah. and he just couldn't feel anything. And he's basically having a panic attack, Yeah, wasn't basically, he? yeah, yeah. Which can feel just like having a heart attack, which is probably what he thought was happening.
0: It's really scary. scary. I suppose it was kind of like he was almost burning the candle at both ends because as the success came and the higher expectations of how much he had to wrestle and work and whatnot, you know, he's a man who still had a shit neck and that was always going to be the fact at the end of the day. And you can only mask that with hard drinking and pills and partying and trying to put it out of your mind before it catches up with you. And I think he was at the age and just at the time and in the physical shape that it was like, you can't wrestle anymore. Yeah, He could wrestle again. That's often been said. I don't think he ever will.
1: No. The, um, the Rock did something really nice after, after the end of the match. As well as the whole nice I love you bit. He um, he left the stage early. Which... He gave
0: him a friendship bracelet too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like the winner doesn't leave the stage early. That's a thing. Yeah, right? it's
0: usually it's... The, the ring is left for the winner to, yeah, to yeah.
1: gloat and have all the glory. And he didn't. He left early so that Steve could have it and really bask in his final moments, which is like the nicest thing ever.
0: It's really nice as well about this is that I know a lot of people complain that Austin never wrestled again or it seems like too early that he finished or whatever. But when you take in his whole career, as we kind of have you know, had a little bit of a trace yeah. through here, it's a really nice fitting end. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you don't know it at the time, but you can you know, looking back retrospectively, you know that he's like saluting the fans for the last time, basically. Especially
1: when you compare it to other wrestlers like Mick Foley, who obviously will give him his own episode. But he didn't leave at the time. He wanted to. Yeah. And that's very sad when yeah. that doesn't happen. I really and feel Steve Austin got his, his time.
0: He's probably on a list of two people who have retired with grace, dignity, and have stuck to it. And a,
1: a successful. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's done so and well. And
0: I've also had people kind of go, I wish they wrestled again. Yeah. And they still haven't. It's something that we'll get into definitely with more episodes. Yeah. You'll see that wrestlers don't like stopping being wrestlers. Yeah. And Steve has gone on to do some fantastic things. I mean, you and I, big fans of the Broken Skull Challenge. Yes,
1: which is season two, is season
0: it? Season two now is starting, yes. Yes,
1: I'm very excited for that. I We've love it. Watch
0: watched some Tough Enough with Steve Austin yep. as well.
1: Which is nothing like the awful Tough Enough you have now.
0: Yeah, it's actually entertaining.
1: Actually good.
0: And it's not hosted by a racist. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's not judged by a racist.
1: <laughs> don't forget homophobic.
0: Um, don't, sorry, the news is coming out thick and fast, folks. You know, it's hard to keep up. Um, Austin, you know what, if you find a DVD in a local charity shop or a car boot sale, as I often have, and Steve Austin's on the cover, you're in for a fun night. You're not in for a night of high drama and well-scripted, well-rounded, thought-provoking film. You are in for a fun night, though. You know, Steve Austin can act. Yeah. He's been in some cool stuff. Longest Yard, he's quite good in. And this podcast as well. I'm really happy, even though... You know, I'm not going to sit here and give the running critique that everyone knows about Steve's podcast or that he says the same X amount of stories over and over again or he may not be the world's greatest interviewer. He may want himself to be his guest most of the time. (laughs) But I'm happy that he's found an audience and maintained a listenership. and and He does it to a high standard. He's one of the
1: best out of the wrestling podcasters.
0: He should be commended for the fact that if someone was to do it like Steve Austin, they should only do it if they did it. Like really to the best of their ability. And I've listened to episodes of Steve's podcast where he's like, this episode isn't good enough. And I'm sorry, folks, but I'm in Mexico and I ain't got internet this week. And, you know, he's he tries so fucking hard. You can tell there's a lot of his hard work in there.
1: What I love about him as well, he really... When you're doing something like having a podcast, you have to also be able to kind of promote it yourself and he's very active on things like twitter and i noticed um he tweeted something yesterday i think it was and he used smh which stands for shakes my head <laughs> i'm really impressed with the fact that he must be what nearly 60 over sixty. no he's in his
0: 50s at the moment. right yeah.
1: yeah and he knows smh
0: he was one of the first guys to he was using twitter before twitter was ingrained in wwe programming That's
1: amazing. He's so... He's real
0: smart that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just shows... I mean, his whole career kind of points to that same sort of talent for knowing the trend before it happens or kind of being a trendsetter in a way. And
0: then just attacking it with this ridiculous work ethic.
1: Yeah. We got... I know we did a bit about Facebook and Twitter at the beginning, but I thought I'd leave this one to the end. Uh, We have Samuel Tromans who wrote in on, on Facebook and he said wondered for your next podcast if you're going to discuss whether Austin would have enjoyed the same success in the PG era as he did in the Attitude Era?
0: That's a really interesting question and that's like I think when we, we've been asked like an interviews to the Attitude Era podcast a gajillion times it's really hard to know because you see Steve obviously comes back now and then as like a guest. When Steve come out he can't do the middle finger, he can't cuss, you know, he's he can't be that character, mm. you know and in some ways that's kind of weird I guess but you know what, I still think that he's so talented Yeah, you know, here's a guy who was meant to be buried in a tag team with some random dude and makes the Hollywood blondes and is really entertaining and I don't think someone saying to Steve Austin you can't cuss is going to be like well, no career then
1: yeah, No, you've got a point yeah. would it
0: have been the success that it was and would he have become the greatest of all time and would wrestling have come to that could wrestling have reached those heights in the 90s had it been PG, I don't think so Because one of the reasons why they were so successful then was because it was 90s, Jerry Springer, South Park, pop culture and kind of how the public viewed things was on that edgy side of things as it was. So for it to have been that kind of most successful era of all time with Steve at the front, I don't think it would have been if Steve had to have been PG, but I've no doubt that regardless of... PG13, PGU, whatever. Steve Austin was always going to, was destined to be a star, I think. So, wrapping up here, closing thoughts. What do you think of Steve Austin? What did you learn? What are your thoughts on the man, Joe?
1: I mean, I think he's amazing. I think he's the best entertainer in wrestling that I've seen ever. I mean, obviously, I haven't seen that many. I'm quite new to wrestling. That's the podcast. But he's amazing. He's so funny, and he's so good at all these different characters. Every single one that he was given or came up with, he did a great job of. I mean, I can't think of any instance in... I mean, I know the um, the time when he turned into a heel. Uh, turned into a heel. Like, he transformed <laughs> into, a, into a monster heel. Um, that obviously didn't go so well, but I still think he did a really good job of it. Oh, yeah. Even though... It wasn't um, fit
0: for a purpose. Almost, yeah, or, yeah.
1: The audience didn't like it so much. Did he
0: surprise you? In because I mean, starting off watching this, you'd seen a little bit of Steve. Did watching the documentary, did going through his matches and segments, did he shock you? Was he different to what you thought he was? Well, going to
1: be? because all I really knew him, his wrestling style was that he kind of shuffled around a bit and did kicks and punches and things. So I wasn't really <laughs> particularly impressed with his wrestling previously. But obviously, knowing about his injury, knowing about the number of times he's been dragged down and like God, downtrodden, pushed from every corner, constantly like he's done so well yeah definitely. and I am in awe of his talent and ability for that.
0: Any of the matches or segments which you might would recommend to people who are getting into wrestling, is Austin a good starting point for someone getting interested?
2: Oh, do you I'd think? say
1: his silly goofs definitely a really good starting point. Like his feud with Vince McMahon is so funny. I think
0: if you type like Steve Austin and Vince McMahon into YouTube, you're
1: in for a night of gold. Basically, yeah. Just it's go a great way there. to
0: like you know test the air. It's kind of like yeah. you know this is kind of wrestling at its most entertaining. some uh, somewhat argue. So it's a great way to get started.
2: I yeah, do I think. mean
1: if you're enjoying if you watch wrestling currently and you like the current goofs, yeah. The sort of Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar destroying his Cadillac with a axe. You'll love the Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon <laughs> feud, and even if you're one of the type of people who is more into the wrestling itself, uh, the fact that he wrestled all that time with such a big neck injury, yeah. and still was a great wrestler. Like he's not bad by any means. I think again, you'd really appreciate again that side of things.
2: Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: Well, wow. I love him. I think he's great.
0: I'm really happy that you like taken to them so strongly because he's like you know he's such a popular figure it almost feels like there's a lot of weight and I was worried turning to kind of going right this match is considered to be the greatest match of all time and the next was like just by the way this is my favourite match of all (laughs) fucking pressure like I'm going to show you a segment and it's the funniest thing you'll ever see in (laughs) wrestling you know
1: (laughs) the fact that I only really knew him from the podcast at his podcast beforehand Um, just from the odd bits that I've ever heard you listening to I kind of didn't think much of him from that and the Broken Skull Challenge obviously he comes across as a bit of an (laughs) arsehole which is obviously a persona kind of but I didn't think much of him just from that now I know it's a persona and he's actually as well from his Twitter you can see he's a pretty nice person it seems Um, and yeah just so talented
0: there you go. That's a how-to, Steve Austin. Thanks for joining us on this adventure as we as we cataloged some of Steve Austin's most amazing moments. You can check out that network documentary, which is the most the bottom line, the most popular sorry on the WWE network. Honestly, there's so many collections of matches, moments with Steve Austin. Check him out on the network. Uh, check him out on Tough Enough on the network. If you're someone who's just getting into wrestling. His season of Tough Enough, the one from 2011, is really good reality TV. and something I would recommend, and it gives you a great flavor for Steve. Go to YouTube, type in Steve Austin Funny, and I guarantee a couple of laughs for, for sure. Next episode, it's a big one. We're going back to the current day. And we're going to cover not one, not two, but three individuals simultaneously.
1: Oh my god.
0: We're talking about The Shield. So prepare yourselves, Tumblr. Get that fan art and fan fiction ready as we're going to go through The Shield, who have had three members who have been in basically every... Every, there hasn't been a main event without a member of the Shield since like mid 2014.
1: And they cover like the three main ways to get into wrestling. Definitely, which I'm really excited about exploring.
0: So next episode, there's going to be a few hashtags which you can use for this one. Anything you think Joe needs to know about the three-person supergroup that set us all alight in 2013, the Shield. Hashtag how to Shield. Let us know segments, matches. Promos, Information that Joe should know or any, any person interested in getting into wrestling should know about this group. Likewise, we've got three big individuals. We've got Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. So if you have anything you want to talk about those guys individually, you can send in a hashtag how to Rollins, hashtag how to Ambrose or hashtag how to Reigns. We're covering a lot of ground this next episode We're going to be covering basically the cornerstone of the Modern Wrestling product. And if you know who Cena is, and you know who these three guys are and their history, you're going to be able to enjoy wrestling on a weekly basis, I think, pretty much. Or at least know what's going on. Tweet us in using those hashtags. At HowToWrestling. Give us a follow. Spread the word. If you know anyone who is trying to get into wrestling, a LAPS fan perhaps, or maybe even someone who just wants to maybe increase their knowledge of wrestling, do let them know about how to wrestling and getting involved in the latest episode likewise facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling if you want to go over there let us know your thoughts on the shield and those three individuals rollins reigns and ambrose
1: and don't forget to subscribe to us on itunes we want to get to number one on the itunes charts again yeah well we not again we haven't done that yet but we want to make it there and you can listen to us on soundcloud at soundcloud.com forward slash how to wrestling be sure you
0: subscribe, like, and, of course, available on Stitcher Radio now as well.
1: And leave a rating and review.
0: Well, it's been an absolute blast talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin, Joe. Has yeah. Was...
1: yeah. I love Steve Austin. Yeah, tell you
0: what, better drink that tea I've just made you. Otherwise, it'll get lukewarm... Stone, Stone Cold! Stone hey, Cold! Hey, hey and now we're off hoping to find out that Steve Austin's got an Instagram full of pictures of random beers that he's drank or something like that I don't know but it's a goodbye from me Kevin
1: and a goodbye from me Joe
0: and we'll see you next time where it's going to be How To Shield
1: see ya